I'm not a sensitive dude. Like I love having discussions with people who disagree with me mm -hmm. on everything because that helps me learn, that helps me grow. Where I feel like people say that, but they don't. They want people who agree with them. Circle up, folks. It's time to welcome Joey Sasso to the Checkup Podcast. He's the winner of The Circle Season 1 reality show on Netflix that was a huge hit right before the pandemic. Now he's on another hit show called The Perfect Match. And if you haven't watched it, it's been top 10 on Netflix for like the last seven weeks and it's continuing to rise. A lot of drama on that show. And he talks about the health and wellness implications of being on reality TV. He's very open about his mental health and physical health struggles. So I think this is a very illuminating conversation that I hope you enjoy as much as I did. Let's get started with the Checkup Podcast. See, I always say I'm like Travolta training for the remake of Saturday Night Fever, just waiting for that day to come. Can I actually dance? No. Do I think I can dance? Yes. It's about your enthusiasm. Confidence is always high. Yeah. That's all that matters. For Do dancing, I have that, rhythm? No. You none. don't you don't need it. You're not competing. This isn't a competition when you're on the dance floor. I right? want to see Dr. Mike on the dance floor. I'm enthusiastically bad, mm -hmm. but that makes it good. But that's why like you're endearing. This is why like people That's a love good term. You. That's yeah. a good term. I don't They're know if endearing. people love me. There's Dr. Mike. There's haters. Here's the thing. Everyone has haters. I don't see any for you. I really? just see love. Do you know how Joey, loved you'll be you surprised. Are? Really? Yeah, I I'm curious where you see the love. Okay. Everything I see you post. Everything <laughs> I see anyone <laughs> okay. talk about you. Okay. It's so positive okay. and like you're handsome, you're educated, you take wow. care this of yourself. This is like the nicest therapy session. You drop I, I needed dope today. content. Like you're on top. Like you check all of the boxes and like, I don't know what personal life is, none of my okay. business. I would just imagine okay. that if you were a single man, yeah. you would have a lot of I'm, suitors. I'm a single man. And uh, you know what's funny? Checking boxes, you think that would be the formula for success? It's not. Really? I'll be the first to tell you. Yeah. Because a lot of times when people see checked boxes and then the last box of being single is also checked, mm -hmm. it's like a warning flag for people. So everyone comes with preconceived notions. Well, let me ask you this. Do you find it difficult to get serious with someone because you're so career oriented? No. No? No, I think I have trouble finding the perfect match. Finding the perfect <laughs> match um, is difficult. Because yeah. I don't want to settle. Mm -hmm. And I've learned from past mistakes of getting into something too early. Mm -hmm. And this has been the longest time in my life that I have been single mm -hmm. uh, the last few years. And it's taught me that maybe taking it slow is the right path. And being selective is smart because you're choosing something for your entire life. Well, and that's the thing, though. I feel like there's such a pressure with dating today. I don't know if it's always been this way, but mm -hmm. at least today, from what I see from friends, people, that like you go into something with an intention of this is forever. Yes. Where I feel like it's so much more healthy to really know what you want, date around, figure out, and let things evolve. Because I feel like when you... When you put an expectation on something, you're only setting yourself up for failure. And I feel like there's something to be said of forming a beautiful friendship with someone sure. that can evolve over time because I feel like there's always a thing, right? I think we've all had this, where you date mm -hmm. someone, mm -hmm. you're open with them, yep. but you're not 100% open with them, but you'll be 100% open with, uh, let's say, a best friend okay, about things that you really feel, things mm -hmm. that you think about, things like that, where I feel like... Having a friendship first, to me, is the foundation of a beautiful relationship. I think that's true. You also said something interesting. You think most people know what they want. You think that's true? I like to think so. Really? I like to think that a lot of people have a direction of which way they want to go and knowing where they want their life to be. 
as far as people being honest about that, I think is up for debate because <laughs> okay, I think okay. sometimes you can have people who really are saying like, it's like sort of like you're meeting someone and presenting yourself as this perfect type of thing. Like mm -hmm. I always tell people if I'm on a date, let's mm -hmm. act like this is fucking date number 12. Oh, like let's get okay. fucking real. What like, changes on date 12 for you? You're comfortable. Okay. You have a sense of relaxation. I don't date like dating for me is extremely awkward. And so you just said, screw it. I'm going to go do it in a public setting now. Yeah. I was like, you know what? Here's the thing. I don't date. So let's go do this on camera and just say, fuck it and see what happens okay. and roll the dice here. But for real, cause I feel like you go on, like I have all friends who go on dates mm -hmm. and they're like, Oh, it was terrible. I'll never see him again. Mm -hmm. Or I'm never doing this again. And I'm like, okay. Um, what if you were just vibing with someone and you mm -hmm. just were friends and there is no expectation of, am I going to see you next week? Yeah. Am I going to hear from you? Like it just lets things evolve more naturally where when I feel like you put the stigma of like a date on it, it, okay. it leads to an expectation. So you change it to be a hangout as opposed to a date. Yeah. I mean, I would say, um, you know, I feel like in today's world, like there's always people vibing on socials, things like that. But I like to just meet people organically. Like I tried the dating app thing mm -hmm. in the past. Not for me. I'm yeah. so what, much. What, what went wrong for you on the dating app scene? I, I feel like I'm such an in-person mm. type of dude. Like I like looking at someone, shooting the shit, mm -hmm. really vibing where it's like all I hear from all of my girlfriends is how dudes are so thirsty. <laughs> okay. And it makes me feel very, because I always grew up to like respect women. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, in what way am I going to slide in a DM that's going to be a stand? Like, I don't put that much thought into it. I'm Joey. I just say, what's good? How yeah. are you? Like, let's vibe. Let's But talk. what honest thing can you really say besides I think you're hot? Yeah. And that comes off thirsty. And that comes off time. like you're an asshole. Yeah. You're a fuck boy. You're yeah. all of these things. So yeah. it there's so much pressure. And especially in the world today of social, when you're seeing people weigh in, mm -hmm. I feel like there is such a way of trying to go about things because you don't know what's appropriate for someone mm -hmm. because what's appropriate for someone is not appropriate for someone else. And even like for me, I love an aggressive woman. Okay. I love a woman who, who makes the first move. Who, oh, okay. So not like physically aggressive. No, not physically aggressive. Okay. Just like makes that first move. Confidence. And, yeah. Because I feel like here's the thing. Men for the most part, will go with anyone who will give them the time of day. Really? I believe so. Okay. For the most part, <laughs> okay. it makes men feel Broad important, okay. wanted, uh, validated where women, like my father grew up telling me this when I was growing up. It was like, a woman can go out every single day, mm -hmm. have whoever she wants, mm -hmm. the drop for dime. A man can be married, all these things, loyal, faithful, but one day one woman smiles at him <laughs> and he is ready to risk everything okay. that he has. So for you're that saying woman. men are hornballs? I think men are hornballs for sure, but I'm also not on the, the track of fuck men. Because I feel mm. like there is so much of that today where I feel like I feel like men should just be more mindful of mm -hmm. being respectful and going about things the right way. Because I feel like that does go a long way. I mean, also, you got to think historically speaking, men have been savages. Yeah, in, in of course. In behavior, in cultural aspects, in uh, professional settings. So I can see how that label starts sticking to men after a period of time. Yeah. Because... Unfortunately, it does happen. I'm curious from your perspective in meeting people who are, let's say, popular on social media. Yeah. The image they put out of themselves, mm -hmm. does it oftentimes match up to what you see in person? No. And I could say that for myself, personally. Um, you mean about yourself? Yeah. I think a lot of people who meet me and actually get to know me are very thrown mm. because I think people see me, for the most part, as this 
uh, cocky, Jersey Shore type of dude, <laughs> sense of humor. Like, I always hear that, but people are often very shocked. They're like, dude, I'm a fucking nerd. Like, mm-hmm. I grew up being a film lover. Mm-hmm. And when I say a film lover, like, I am a nerd. I collect physical media, wow. vinyl records, vintage posters, movie props. I'm typically decked out in horror memorabilia. I'm a huge horror movie nut. So, like, okay. this for me is like, I dressed up. I okay. went, I went I all out today. That. I had to for Dr. Hey, Mark. The, I had to do jacket. it. Yeah, but, you know, I think that it, there is a struggle as well because I moved out to L.A. to be an actor. Mm-hmm. That was my love. I was never chasing social i was never chasing reality television it happened and i'm so blessed for that but now i've been put into a realm of you have to be an influencer a content creator Mm -hmm. and i don't know how to do that Mm -hmm. because i've never been that type of dude like i always thought my wildest dreams i would play weird avant-garde characters and maybe people in the film community would take a liking to me i never had a big enough ego to think i'm gonna take over and be the biggest star this time next has ever seen. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I of course idolized those people, but I was also realistic that like the odds aren't in my favor, and my uh, term of success would be making a living at doing what I love. Mm-hmm. So, with that being said, when it goes over to social, I think that a lot of people who have met me are very taken by how quiet I am, mm. more so than big and energetic, because like that is a part of my personality. But I think people think. That's just me 24-7. Do you think your personality is different on Netflix versus social, or it's the same on both? No, I think my personality on Netflix has definitely come through, but I do think, like anything, there's editing. Sure. You know, like... So do you, are you saying those shows are unfairly edited? No, I think that they are fairly edited. Really? I, I, I do. I, I think that... Here's the thing. I cannot stand when people go on reality television shows and bitch and complain about the edits that they get, because here's the thing. You give footage, and editing is part of the process. Like they are there to make a show. So I'm not going to sit there and complain about things. Like, look, there have been things I don't think I look great with that I would disagree with, but I also know we're there to make a show, and my job is to be a professional, show up, and give 100% of myself every single day. That's the job. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's very contradictory to go and do that and then sort of go on your socials and start blasting and doing things like, come on, man. Like I always say, if you're really that upset, go in LA, go into any bar, any restaurant and ask the bartender or waiter what they wish they were doing right now mm-hmm. to make a living. Cause I guarantee you they're trying to be in the business, trying to get somewhere. And I was that kid. I struggled for so many years. So I know what it's like to really grind and hope for an opportunity. So I'm not going to get an opportunity be extremely blessed for that and then go and blast those people who gave me that opportunity. I think mm. that is just so unprofessional and just not right. What about the idea that if they turn a situation or tell a situation from one side more than the other and that leads you to getting attacked on social media and then it takes a toll on your mental health? Do you yeah. see that ever playing out? I mean, it happened to me on Perfect Match, okay, for sure. Tell like I, I had to log out of my socials because um, the circle was just love. Yeah. And I never expected that show to be a hit. Like when I when we were making it, I remember uh, telling people on the crew, "I'm like, who the fuck is gonna watch this?" Like, yeah. we're set up the show for people who haven't watched it. What's so the circle. Per- this, I, this, yeah. was, this was my go to show, by the way, at peak pandemic time. So, so the circle is a reality competition show, the first Netflix ever did, where you take starts out with eight contestants who are locked away in an apartment, and you're communicating on a social media app called 
the circle. <laughs> and the entire pitch of the show is you don't know who you're talking to is real or fake. It's essentially a popularity contest where your goal is to get to the end. If you're ranked in the top, you're an influencer, which gives you the power to block people. <laughs> I can't believe I got all of that out. Holy shit. You got it out accurately, but it also paints a picture of a very narcissistic show where you're blocking people, Dude, trying to climb the social I ladder. I didn't understand anything with this show for the first two weeks of filming okay. because I don't watch reality television. Okay. So all that made sense to me was... Some people are real. Some people are fake. I'm going to find those motherfuckers. We're going to get them out of there. <laughs> you thought it was Clue. Bro, 100%. Like, I remember, go back and watch those first few episodes, yeah. and it's just me talking shit to people. Okay. Because I'm like, yo, my job is to find these scumbags and get them out the game. <laughs> Where then I realized, oh, wait, this is actually about making friendships and accepting people for whoever they say they are. Mm. Okay. I could I could get on board with that. But sure. again, in theory, imagine you're being pitched this show. Yeah. You don't know what the hell, because they're like, it's a competition show. Some people are real. Some people aren't fake. But it's also people get eliminated. There's ratings, blockings. And I'm like, yo. Yeah, that's scary. How in. accurate is it from what they pitch you, the concept is going in mm. versus to what it ends up being? Is there any difference between the those circle, two? circle, 100% accurate. Really? Yeah, 100% accurate. I would just say I remember telling all of them not to tell me much because I'm the type of dude, if you tell me too much, I'm going to stress and I'm going to overthink and I'm going to have... And then go in mind, which is going to make me not be authentically myself. Mm -hmm. So I'm the dude that's like, yo, throw me in deep water. Like, okay. let me learn how to swim. Like, we both were boxers. Yeah. I was a fighter growing up. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, uh, you know, how I learned how to fight was they didn't prep me. I was the only white fighter in a 400-mile radius. It was, we're throwing you in. You're going to get your ass beat, and you're going to learn how to take a beating and sometimes give it. So wow. that's okay. how I've always been. Brutal. Okay. So that you did that. Mm -hmm. But then you said the circle was honest. Were other shows not? Um, perfect match was, I would say perfect match. It was just, it was again, a first season mm -hmm. of something bigger that, you know, Netflix has spoken openly that they want to do a sort of reality universe mm -hmm. of, of shows. And this was their first show to do that of bringing their most popular people together. So there was so much more mystery mm -hmm. to what we were actually doing. We knew it was a dating show. Mm -hmm. We knew it was a competition show. That's really it. So there was so much speculation about what's actually, <laughs> what is this going to be? Like yeah. what, what, like what's happening? And like, I got to give all the props in the world to kinetic and Netflix for keeping everything under wraps yeah. and keeping the mystery alive. Because when I go back to that first episode of the show, yeah. I could see the excitement in my eyes when Nick Lachey walks out, which <laughs> by the way, we fucking love Nick Lachey. Okay. Love that. I man. believe it. I could see it from all you guys. Bro, he, he's yeah. the goat, but okay. Like we didn't know, like what is what is What's the show? concept? Yeah. And like when you're you know in Panama waiting to start filming, you got to do the quarantine period. Mm -hmm. You're sitting in a hotel room, yeah, you and your mind is running wild. You're like, yo, what, <laughs> what could be happening here? This could especially because be... you've seen too hot to handle. So you're like, if they're pulling that on people, what are they pulling on us? I have a confession to make. Oh no, tell me. I have never seen one episode of Too Hot to Handle. Out of. Never. anger spite just just ne not interested here's the thing like when the circle came out it okay. was sort of like the three ring trifecta we had mm -hmm. the circle in january mm -hmm. love is blind in february and then too, too hot, hot to, to handle, handle i think april mm -hmm. right after and i was just meeting the people from the cast because like we were all coming up at the same time got it so it was more so of like oh so-and-so slid in my DMs. What's good, bro? Like, nice to meet you. You hope yeah. you're killing it on the show. Like, I just was never someone who was like, 
seeking the shows out at that point it was a blessing just to get to meet the people which mm -hmm. i much prefer because i have friends who will tell me uh they, i got a bad edit or this didn't look great i don't know just because i know the person i mm -hmm. don't really know the show so i feel like that's helped me be completely unbiased when meeting people got it did you um get along with anyone extremely well off of the first seasons of all those shows there like who was your person yeah um for the circle it was definitely shubes shubes we love shubes yeah. and miranda miranda to okay. this day but honestly chris sammy like i there's i'm not bullshitting this i would tell you mm -hmm. there is no bad blood between any of us really we so are everyone's all just together. legitimate good friends like that first season dude like there was something really special that all of us just became really good friends extremely close and we kicked off the reality scene at netflix yeah, exactly. which is nuts like because when we were filming it I, I said i was like yo no one's no gonna idea. watch this yeah. like this no. is crazy yeah. and i went back you know i was slinging drinks in la at the oldest gay bar in la <laughs> that was my survival job so okay. i won the show never thought that was gonna happen on my mother's life winning to me was making it to the end mm -hmm. because i'm competitive as fuck mm -hmm. to me i was like yo winning 100 grand that will never happen in my lifetime, but I can try to make it to the end. To me, like that's winning. I'm on the entire show. When sure. I actually won, I didn't know what, I couldn't speak for 24 <laughs> hours. I remember it vividly. I could not talk. And I just remember thinking like I was going through such a low point in my life. that During that time? During that time. Wow. Yeah, I was uh, secretly an addict. So I'm mm. sober now. Wow, congratulations. Going through a drug and alcohol problem, which mm. no one knew about, uh, clinically depressed. So much stuff going on and just so miserable with where my life and career was because I didn't think the circle was going to change my life. It, when I got offered the opportunity, um, how I got casted was the gay bar that I worked at. One mm. of my friends who worked there is also a casting director. Mm. And he told me, I'm casting this thing. You have to come in for it. And I go, what is it? He said, Netflix is doing this reality show. And I go, I don't do reality. <laughs> because all you're told in LA when you're studying, and I'd been studying for so many years on my my acting, is don't ever do reality because you'll be you'll be fucked. Like typecast. Well, they just won't take you serious as an actor. Where mm. I think that was still very much an old school mindset of mm -hmm. you can do one thing, that's it. Sure. Where now it's you want to be able to do everything. Of so I was like, I'm gonna go to the audition because how many auditions do I go on where nothing happens? Yeah. Don't want to burn Try a bridge. This, yeah. I never did a reality audition where it was like you talking to me right now. Wow. And, and just me being able to talk and be myself where <laughs> acting auditions is, hey, I'm Joey Sasso. I'm reading for the role of Mike. Yeah. Action. Yeah. Do your thing. You're out the door. Wow. Where my family had always said, if people could just see your personality, they would really fall in love with you. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I get to get out of slinging drinks for 30 days and go to the UK. Yeah. Let's fucking go. Like yeah. I, I was just like, let's just go have a good time. I have nothing invested. I don't think I'm gonna win this thing. It was lightning in a bottle in the most pure way. And I don't think anything will ever touch that. And you think the the low point came after you finished filming that? No, I think the low point was already happening in my oh, life. Okay. I was with someone for a very long time, mm -hmm. uh, went through uh, a really bad breakup, which I'd never been through before. We'd lived together. We had so much of our life together. And I was trying to, at a very young age, wear so many different hats mm -hmm. and not being true to myself with what I was feeling and just feeling like you're in a hole. And then the hole gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. And I think that success afforded me the opportunity to be able to play a part, so to speak, of I got it all figured out. I'm great. Everything's great. And 
I, I always say like, I was ready for that. I'd spent my whole life studying the business and being waiting for that door to open. So when it opened, I was able to walk through it. What I wasn't okay with was the downtime mm. and being able to go home. I was able to go out and be the best version of myself that I could be. But when I went home, things weren't good and mm. I wasn't good. So I really hit a rock bottom where it was like, dude, if you don't get your shit together, you're going to fucking die. Mm. That's it's going. It's not an if it's a matter of when. So I knew I had to change my life. I think the pandemic really brought that on a lot more because I could not leave home like anyone more else could time. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it just made me really reevaluate a lot. And that's why I wanted to go on perfect match to tell you the truth. The main thing for me was I know this is a dating show. I know what comes with that, which mm -hmm. is partying, having fun, cutting mm -hmm. loose. And I wanted to show I can go and do that and be sober. So when we talk about things that were edited, I'm not going to complain and bitch about it, but I talk so much about my sobriety and what I'd been through and why I was there to put myself out there mm -hmm. and none of that wow made the show so they didn't want that as a storyline no and and i understand to some people it could it could seem kind of minuscule but i would say for me i speak so openly on sobriety and i've had people from all over the world who reach out to me to tell me their stories of overcoming addiction being inactive addiction um suicidal uh trying to overcome that so like for me speaking on being sober was the most terrifying thing i've ever done because wow. i'm like i'm admitting to such, in my mind, a flaw that mm. can be held against me. And I know the way people see me and I don't wanna let people down, but I also wanna be transparent and hold myself accountable. So am I gonna do this? Fuck it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna put myself out there. So once I did that, it sort of was the best of both worlds of feeling a huge weight being lifted, but also feeling a huge responsibility to be transparent with mm -hmm. that part of my life because I am extremely private, which is weird. Because I'm in, in reality. Yeah, too, I'm yeah. in the reality realm. I have a following. But again, I never was sort of going for that. So to toe that line has been very interesting for me because I love letting people into my life. Mm -hmm. I love that I have people who support me. But I do think that there should come a line in the sand where this is for me. Yeah. This is my life. Some private time. This is not for you. And I think I try to pick and choose very carefully with what those things are. Mm -hmm. Can you take me through that private time when you said it was a low point after you come back from a show or maybe the celebrations and you are low? Yeah. What thoughts are going through your head that are taking you to a dark place? You know, I remember when the circle had wrapped, I, I was just back to normal life. I was slinging drinks and I was just depressed, man. Like I was eating pills mm -hmm. all day long, uh, able to put it, put it together to go to the gym it's actually very funny. I always tell people I was in the best shape of my life and looked the best that I looked when I was at my lowest mm. because I knew I was suffering from an addiction, which I would never admit to anyone or myself, but I knew I had to look good so no one would ever suspect that because we have an idea of what an addict looks like. Mm -hmm. So if I'm ripped up in the gym every single day, no one's going to ever think I have an issue with anything. So mm -hmm. be able to hold it together to go to the gym and to go to work and sling drinks. That was it. When I was at home, couldn't get out of, literally could not get out of bed. Hmm. Like there would be mornings I would wake up if I wasn't taking uppers, I, get up. I, I wasn't getting up. And, you know, such a different cocktail of pills, alcohol, cocaine, um, tons of things that were just terrible and mm -hmm. were really killing me. And it was uh, a lot of trauma I didn't deal with in my life, a lot of things that I'd went through. And I got into therapy after, you know. How did, how did that 
transition happen? What made you decide to go into therapy? So therapy was the first thing. And that was when I was sort of at that low point after that relationship had ended. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I think I really need a life preserver right now. I need something to grab onto because mm -hmm. I've never felt this low and it's scaring me. Of course. And I think I grew up with a very old school Italian family where it's like, you don't go to therapy. Yeah. Grit down, bear down. Push yeah. You're room. a man. You yeah. be a man. You know, you, you hold certain things in and, and, you know, I was like, I need this. And I've sort of found for myself because even as I was walking here today, I'm on the phone with my mom. What are you doing? Where are you going? Like I've talked to my parents 20 times a day, but I found that I have to do things for myself first. And when I decide to let them into certain things, that's when I'm ready. So I got myself into therapy, but it was dealing with more of my mental problems than dealing with my physical addictions. Mm. I wasn't ready to speak on those. Mm. I wasn't ready to admit sure. that. Because in my mind, I don't drink every day, so I'm fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I go out on a bender. So you didn't think it was a problem or you knew it was a problem but didn't want to talk about Both. it? Both. Um, you, you're saying to yourself, something's not right. I know I have an issue but then you're trying to justify it in your mind with mm. why it's okay and why other people do the same things. Because again, we have visuals in our heads of what addiction looks like. I mean, yeah. we've all seen intervention. Sure. We sit there and go, I'm not that fucking guy. Yeah. I'm not sleeping on the street or selling my body or mm. doing this or that for, for rocks or to shoot up. So I, I had to really open my mind to realizing that I'm an addict. I've always been an addict. And when I go back to my childhood and I look at the way that I am wired, mm -hmm. it is there. I am so obsessive compulsive. If you give me something to do, I'm doing it all or nothing. There mm -hmm. is no 50%. I'm going 100% and I sort of sometimes will act before I think and just be so into sure. it. So part of getting clean for me was admitting that to myself, mm -hmm. realizing it, and then saying I need to put some things in place here to make sure that I'm okay because it's very easy for someone like me to not be okay. Got it. So you needed to create some boundaries for yourself mm -hmm. within your life. And now you're at this low point and then you have this huge breakout situation with the circle. Does that take you out of the low place or temporarily, or does it actually put fuel on the fire and make it a bigger problem where you're partying more, celebrating more? You know, I would say it made it better because mm. I've always lived for my career. I was at the lowest I had been mentally in my life because my career was not where I wanted it to be. Like since I've been three years old, I've known what I've wanted to do. Mm -hmm. It has never changed. I was never gonna take over my father's business like so many people do or go to college. Mm -hmm. I was moving to LA to pursue a career in film and I was gonna die trying to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And I knew I had nothing else I could do. And the saddest part of my life would be knowing I didn't achieve what I was put here to do. Mm -hmm. And I could end up being a bartender or a waiter for the rest of my life. So that added to severe depression. Once I got a break and doors started to open, I was so ready for that. Like I killed it with every opportunity I was given, every person that I met. And I think a lot of people that I met that were very established were very impressed by the fact that I was as smart as I was about the industry. Because again, mm -hmm. you're watching me on a reality show, mm -hmm. being a loud Italian kid, Mm -hmm. screaming at a screen sure but to sit there and actually talk about the ins and outs of the industry of the behind the scenes things they're like fuck are you mm -hmm. like what is going on here so those are some of the aspects i mean about surprising people mm -hmm. when they would meet me um 
but it really helped me be okay and be in a better place and it helped me get sober because now i have my career mm. now i i've started building a name for myself and to me it's like i have something to live for where i've truly have always felt that i know what i'm meant to do and if i don't do that like it, it just it eats at me man like mm -hmm. i remember being 18 years old at an acting class in la very prestigious school uh, a kid shows up late He's supposed to do a scene mm -hmm. and the teacher starts laying into him and she was a working actress and she goes points to all of us in the class and she goes every single one of you motherfuckers are going to get an opportunity if you're going to be ready is going to be on you and that haunted me mm -hmm. for years because i'm like fuck what happens if my my shot comes and i'm not ready and that could mm -hmm. pass you forever so i think for me it's it gives me something to stay grounded and working towards because I do think that there is something into having a real pride in what you do mm -hmm. and loving it. Like I'm that type of dude that thinks being a workaholic is great. I think it's sad that most people don't love what they do and settle for a nine to five. Like, yo, life is fucking short. Find what you want to do. Find what you're good at. What's your passion? I don't care what it is. I don't care what it pays. Do that. So I'm curious. And what would you say to yourself if we're going into an alternate universe where you don't get the opportunity for circle and you're still doing the job that you don't want to do, mm -hmm. but you are working towards your thing and you're horribly depressed. I would say you need help. I would say that you need to realize that you can get everywhere you want to get, but you need to be okay first. Mm. And that was something that I never thought because it was just career, 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 career. Mm -hmm. Like I remember um, after that, uh, that serious breakup, there was a conversation that took place between me and that person that haunted me for a long time. That was the person telling me, I have no doubt you are going to achieve everything that you want in life. You are so amazingly talented, your personality, people love you, you were born to do this, but I think you're gonna be horribly miserable and alone mm. when you achieve that. And that fucked with me for a long time. Cause I'm like, well, I mean, you live in LA a long time. You see people like that. They have everything. They have mm -hmm. achieved, but are they actually happy? Mm -hmm. And that's the push and pull of what's really most important. And I feel like over the last, I'd say two years, I've been sober two years, four months now. I would say the thing that I've worked on most is saying it's okay for me to have a private life, to have a personal life, and to be happy in both career and personal can coexist with the right people. And trying to find balance, because I don't think I'm a person who's ever had balance. That's true. Um, true for most of us, meaning. Yeah. Um, I, sometimes I see individuals will find a partner mm -hmm. and then define themselves based on their partner. Mm -hmm. And that becomes part of their identity. So when the partner leaves, they go through a very terrible situation. Mm -hmm. Then they find a career yep. that they find becomes their identity. And if that career ever something happens, whether they get laid off, the show gets canceled, whatever, something outside of their control, something nothing to do with their talents or abilities, that they then go into a dark place. Mm -hmm. it, do you feel like you're past that? Or is that always a potential thing that you're worried about? Um, I think I'm, I'm honest enough with myself to know that it can always be there. It will always be there. Meaning, what will always be there? Meaning that I have to be mindful that I could slip into a dark place mm. and it, it it couldn't be for, for being for someone else or anything. It could just be because of me, of what I'm going through, not being happy with where I'm at. Cause I always want more. Mm. 
I always expect more. Sure. And I, I, I set the bar extremely high for myself. Like I have nothing wrong with, let's say, uh, like I'll use the boxing analogy. I have nothing wrong with losing to a better fighter than me. Mm -hmm. If I get in the ring and you beat my ass, dude, I'm holding your hand up. We just went toe to toe. I gave you every fucking thing I had. Mm -hmm. You showed up today. I didn't. God bless you. Mm -hmm. But when it's me not bringing my best mm -hmm. and I have to live with that, that can fuck with me. Yeah. So I think to be honest, it's a very it's weird because I talk to people in groups and I, I do AA and mm -hmm. I like to do meetings and shit like that, that. You know, I'm genuinely such a happy person. I wake up every day with a smile on my face, and that's not fake. I feel that every single day, but I'm also aware that within me there's that voice, and that voice can drag me down or bring me up. Mm -hmm. So I try to make that voice my best friend and really lead with my best foot forward, but I'm human. I have good days and bad, and sometimes sure. the bad days can be bad, but they are nowhere near as bad as they once were. That's powerful because ultimately, you know, everyone wants to see you succeed and grow with all of the fans that you've developed from yeah. all this time on television. Um, do you imagine yourself um, kind of as a spokesperson for the negative effects or even the positive effects on mental health? from reality shows yeah you know because it seems like you're the one that's talking about it most yeah i i would love to um it's actually funny uh i love public speaking in mm -hmm. high school it's a great story i would they had public speaking the teacher had to call my father and say we have to fail him he's the best public speaker we've had i've had in 20 years of teaching but he doesn't do the assignments i would just <laughs> get up and bullshit speeches i remember i literally <laughs> did a speech on how to dip tobacco okay because I, I didn't know today's a how to, yeah. but I love, I love public speaking and talking about things that are, that are, you know, close to me because I feel like most people don't. And I, the one thing I don't like in today's society is there are victims who go through a lot of things, but mm -hmm. I don't like victim mentality. Mm -hmm. I think that it, it really takes away from people who try to speak up and should have attention put on them when they go through something. And I don't think every person is a victim. I just think that, you know, when we talk about mental health and things i think it's important that even for people you see on reality television or in film or music your people we struggle the same way that anyone else struggles and i don't see a lot of people talking about it and i try to always bring good vibes and be positive because that's how i was raised that's who i am and when i talk to friends who go through shit they don't speak on it they'll talk to me about it about, I mean, about their negative moments? Yeah, about their, their mental health struggles, um, things that are really affecting them, like even to turn it over to perfect match. Uh, there's been, I won't name names, but a ton of cast members who have really struggled with a lot of things through this experience. I struggled with it as well. I turned off my, my socials and was just like, yo, I'm logging out for a minute. My dad was so mad at me. He's like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you need to be present. You need to be, and I'm like, dad, I am dealing with, crippling anxiety mm -hmm. crippling anxiety that i've never dealt with before this was not like the circle for me mm -hmm. but the, i don't blame the show i don't blame the people i just think i had never done something like this where you're putting so much of yourself out there for mm -hmm. the world to judge because i had friends who told me dude like dating shows are a different beast and i'm going it's a fucking netflix dating show yeah. with popular people from different how who you're friendly with yeah, like I'm, dude. I was like legit friends with like almost every person there, and then was friends with everyone by the time we left. But I'm like, how serious could this be? People take this shit serious. Oh, like, very serious. Oh, bro, like 
Well, that's a great question for you then. You, you've been a, a boxer. You've mm -hmm. been a reality star. Guitar what takes player, a, everything. Well, yeah. well, specifically with those two, I'm interested which one of those two takes a, a bigger toll on your mental and physical health, which is harder. Oh, reality. Really? Yeah, for sure. I mean, because I mean. So getting punched in the face is easier than. That's natural. I mean, I, I grew up in a gym. I was fighting from the time I was five or six. And mm -hmm. that just was my everyday life for mm -hmm. so many years. And learning how to condition myself, take care of myself. And as you know, from doing it, like it becomes like you like getting hit at a certain point. Mm -hmm. Like it's it's just a part of what you do. It's it's an art. It's a craft where I feel like, you know, reality television is such a blessing because it really lets you show yourself to the world, but it lets you open yourself up to judgment in a way that I don't think most people could deal with mm. because you're literally saying, this is who I am. And in today's world, everyone has the power of having a phone in their hand to sit there and weigh in on the littlest things you could do, the biggest things you do that are a moment that happen in a day, which I get in a television show. It's like a big moment, but like how much shit happens in your life throughout the course of a day? Of course. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that what I've seen that I have to give props again to Netflix, Kinetic, to all them, they did really well of letting us do like training courses of being aware for mental health for all these different things like they did so that's part of it part of the preparation oh yeah shows. i mean I, I dude i think social media just changed everything i mean i always make the analogy to sometimes i've seen people on shows who go in with the mentality of trying to be the person they watched on reality shows 10 years ago mm -hmm. think back to like jersey shore we all loved that show mm -hmm. that was great yeah look at all what that show was it was guys just hooking up with girls raiding girls like doing that would never fly today that was back in a time when the villains were the most popular and loved people where today people don't like that mm -hmm. people like people who are genuine and nice and i think being a villain is cool but just not being a, an asshole to put yeah. it bluntly how did what so besides the mental health preparation, is there anything health wise that the shows make you do before going on Circle Perfect Match? Um, yeah. Uh again, like there's always so many things. You have to talk to psychiatrists. Really? And and go through do you have any mental health stuff? Uh do you struggle with things? Do you uh have any active addictions? Like they really make sure that they're not putting someone who's not mentally fit to be on a show. So they could potentially exclude you based on a diagnosis? Uh, I don't know how the medical terminology would go, but I would assume if you were sitting there saying I'm uh, bipolar, let's say, for example, when I'm not on medication, it could be a medical risk to put you on a set, maybe. Interesting. And I don't know if that's 100% sure, but I know that you have to go through those background checks before you get to a stage mm. of filming. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, I'm curious your take. You brought up the victim mentality earlier. Mm -hmm. You'll see people will write comments to you and say, well, you you know, Joe, you spoke about the victim mentality. You're making money off these shows. You're incredibly popular. People message you all the time. Mm -hmm. Isn't what you're talking about right now how hard it is just you having the victim mentality? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. You can't win with anything it mm -hmm. doesn't matter what you speak on what you try to advocate for what you try to speak against no matter what you do there are going to be people who are going to say you're wrong you're an idiot you're stupid so my thing is just like when i do speak on things because i don't speak on things very often like you'll never see me talk politics which number one if you're coming to a reality kid for a political point of view there's something wrong with you <laughs> that's that's first okay. thing because people I appreciate that, always okay. reach out with 
what do you, what do you think? I'm like, bro, I don't fucking know. I don't even follow this shit. But I, I just think that there's, you know, something to be said of when you do decide to speak up, it should be something that you're really passionate about and have a clear viewpoint on. Because I think what you see a lot today is let's say something happens today. It's a big headline. Everyone's got to weigh in. They get the clicks. Mm-hmm. Well, you're speaking on things you don't even know about. You have no knowledge about where I just think that's incredibly ignorant. Mm-hmm. So I like to sit back, take things in. And when I speak on something, really have a clear point of view. And if someone agrees with that, okay. If you disagree with that, that's fine. That's part of being human. I don't have any, I'm not a sensitive dude. Like I love having discussions with people who disagree with me mm-hmm. on everything. Cause that helps me learn. That helps me grow where I feel like people say that, but they don't. They want people who agree with them about sure. everything. Well, I think it depends on the time of moment in your life because uh, if someone's going through something, yeah. there's usually two types of ways to help that person. Mm-hmm. The, uh, when I explain further, it'll make more sense. Basically, let's say you're going through a breakup yeah, and you come to me and you're like, Mike, this is what happened to me. Such and such said this. I have one of two options. I have to recognize, are you here for moral support and you just need my ear Mm -hmm. and you just want me to listen and say, wow, dude, can't believe this happens to you. Sucks, brutal, ah. Or are you in the mood for truth seeking? Right. Where if you're truth seeking, I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to talk about their point of view. I'm going to see, are you really right? And if you misjudge that as a person who's trying to be supportive, mm-hmm. man, that could backfire hard. Yeah, but I, that's the thing is I, I could say for myself with that scenario you just gave, I'm the dude who always wants the brutal truth. That's just how I was raised. Like I was never given excuses from my parents. There was never that thing. If you were wrong, you were wrong. And I I have really tried to keep my circle, no pun intended, very small of people who are my ride or dies who are going to look at me and say, you're tell being, you the truth. You're being yeah. a fucking asshole. Or you're right, you're wrong, and and not try to tell me what I want to hear because I do feel like a lot of people surround themselves with those people. I could see how you say that pendulum does swing too far at times, mm-hmm. but you have to admit that we need compassion for some people who are just going through a rough time where everything's going wrong and you can't give them advice Here's, at this moment. I, I truly believe every person deserves love. Yeah. And I think not a lot of people have had that. And mm-hmm. I think that is something that truly breaks my heart because mm-hmm. I've been so blessed in my life to have the most amazing family and mm-hmm. have uh, so much love and support. And that's why I do try to speak on things. And when people reach out to me and pour their hearts out to me with their stories, I mean, dude, like there'll be nights... I'm a night owl. I don't sleep. It'll be three, four o'clock in the morning, and I'm laying in bed with fucking. Why don't you sleep? Oh, dude, I've never slept. I've been ever. I've been this way my entire life. So you sleep just like a delayed onset of sleep, like you sleep from three to ten or something. Here's the thing: if I pass out, I'm out. (laughs) Okay, I I crash. (laughs) Okay, but getting to that state of falling asleep, extremely difficult. I've been like this since I've been a kid, where Mm. I just my body just does not get tired, and if it does, then I get that second wind. Uh, my sisters call me a vampire because I wear all black every day and I'm up all night long watching films nowadays, uh, responding to messages, doing things like that. I just, I've never had that sun's up. I'm up smiling, cup of coffee. Like, no, I want to be up when everyone's asleep. And so do you sleep the same, uh, like seven to nine hours or not? No, at all? not at all. Like, what do you la- sleep? Last night I slept, I went to bed at five thirty in the morning. Mm-hmm. I woke up today at 9am. 
But you know that's not healthy, right? Oh, of course, it's terrible. But that it's, it's <laughs> fucking awful. It's terrible okay. for you. But it's yeah. it's it's one of those things where I've just like sort of accepted this is the way that it is. Like when I got newly sober, I did force myself to get into a schedule of going to sleep at I want to say ten or eleven o'clock, and I woke up at five a.m. every day and would be mm-hmm. at the gym because I just needed that outlet to be like I'm on a schedule. I'm on a sure. schedule. But because I'm so obsessive compulsive. It drove me fucking nuts okay. of like, I need to be in bed by by 9.30 on the dock. And if you weren't, then everything fell off. Oh, everything in my mind just mm-hmm. fell off. So like, yeah. Good Have you heard of different now. chronotypes, sleep chronotypes? No. So basically, uh, Matthew Walker, who's been on the channel before, he's a world-renowned sleep expert from UCLA. And he talks about how there's different types of individuals who sleep during different parts of the day. Mm-hmm. And his theory, and it's supported by some evidence actually, is that nature sort of made it this way Mm. so that you could have some people sleeping during the night, most people, some people sleeping a little bit off two hours later, some people sleeping a little bit later. That way you constantly can have someone keep guard. Wow. And there's individuals who truly cannot get sleepy normally Mm -hmm. until 4 or 5 a.m. and prefer to sleep till 12. Yep. And that's their sleep chronotype. And they've been unfairly treated in our society because we don't vibe with that. School starts at a certain time. Work starts at a certain time. And if you don't comply with that, you're lazy and we label you. That just made so much sense to my entire life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going back to like sixth, seventh grade right now, rethinking everything. No, that makes makes complete sense, man. But I mean, I've I've met so many people who are the same way, who are night owls, insomniacs, and I feel like that's another term. I feel like terms just get thrown around so loosely today. Oh, I have insomnia. No, I really have insomnia. Mm-hmm. Like that's always been a thing. So uh, maybe I could, you just have this delayed onset of sleep. Maybe that man yours goes a little bit later than most. And I lay there. You've been unfairly anxious. Why can't I fall asleep? And then yep. that makes you less likely to fall asleep when it's time to fall asleep. And also, when you're wired like that and you're up all night and you're not sober, you sure. fall into very a dark bad place. Habits. Yeah, and anxiety starts peaking and mm-hmm. all these things that. Is the exact opposite of what you want for but a good But dude, sleep. I gotta tell you, anxiety for me is a fucking, that's a new thing. Mm. I didn't really struggle with that before. Mm-hmm. But since I got sober and since I like cleaned up my life, that's something that is really set in now um, tremendously. And the only reason I could think of is because I don't have vices to put in myself anymore to numb or, mm-hmm. you know, it's like sometimes you feel 100% of everything and mm-hmm. that's still very new. With a lot of things. Well, basically, those medications or substances used to be a way for you to control this anxiety from coming on. And now you're going to have to learn a new way of controlling them that is a little bit more difficult or new to you. Oh, dude, it could could really set you back when you're Mm -hmm. not used to that and it hits you. You're like, what the fuck is happening right now? Mm -hmm. Like... It's nuts. What are your thoughts when you're in that anxious spiral? What are you... What's the Um, concern? So it's funny. I remember when I used to struggle with it when I wasn't sober, there was a few times I went to the ER because I wow. thought I was having a heart attack. Mm. And I would it's have- A panic attack. Yeah, I would have mm. pains in my arm, uh, my left arm. I would walk in think I'm dying. They would take my my heart rate and they. I remember one time they asked me, how much cocaine did you do? And I, I didn't. And I was mm. like, I, I just was driving and it, it just came on. But um, now I feel like it always comes down to this crippling fear that everything's going to end everything that i've worked for because now i'm starting to get somewhere now i'm starting to to move forward in my life and and try to really build a name and a brand for myself that somehow some way it's just all going to come crashing down do you think that's a normal thought you're having 
Yes and no. I think the normal part is I think everyone deals with fear of of the unknown. I think the part that's not natural, and I always relate this back to being in show business, entertainment, I truly believe most people cannot comprehend what it takes to make a career in that field and what type of lifestyle that entails. Mm. I feel like you try, you can try to explain it to people. I think they see the glitz and glamour mm-hmm. of television, this and that, but to what it really takes to sustain and have longevity and build, I don't think people could ever understand yeah. that. I, I see what you're saying when, when you mean like yes and no, that this is a very unnatural situation, being exposed to this many people, trying to continue that level of success. So I think uh, the way that I think about it, I'll sort of tell you from my, not even being a doctor, from just being a person sense, is you're in a situation where you worked really hard for something, mm-hmm. you have it, you don't want to lose it. That's a normal emotion. Yeah. Like if I just got a brand new car, the last thing I want to do is crash it. Right. So the anxiety of that is normal. Where it becomes pathological and it becomes a disorder and a problem, this is my doctor hat coming on, yeah. is that fear and anxiety and nervousness becomes so much so that it prevents you from living other important major aspects of your life, like eating, yep. showering, uh, having close friendships, relationships with family, being able to go to work. Now this leaves a healthy emotion like anxiety that is normal to have with certain situations mm-hmm. to the point where it becomes a disorder and we need to help teach some tools, coping mechanisms to get out of those situations. Dude, the five senses, like mm-hmm. what can I touch, feel, smell, like all of those things have been something that's really helped anchor me down in those moments of just like, I think the biggest thing for me at least is just you got to shut off your phone. Mm-hmm. You, you have to. That's a trigger for you. Oh, for sure. Like if, because... I feel like just in general, you have so much information coming at you for sure all day. So it's not natural. Like we don't know what this is going to do to our brains. Like this Mm -hmm. is still so new. I just think um, putting that down for me, listening to a record, big vinyl guy, Mm -hmm. putting my headphones, listen to a piece of music that I love and just really focus on my breathing and telling myself, you're okay. Mm -hmm. Everything's going to be fine. Like I've been working on those sorts of triggers, but I'm also aware of, uh, like, let's just say, for example, you're dealing with trolls. Mm-hmm. People want to just come at you. The way I was raised, the type of person I am is, who the fuck are you? Like, yeah. I'm going to fucking find you and we'll fucking, let's talk about this shit. Like that. <laughs> you Liam Neeson. <laughs> but you can't do that. Right. And I, I know. And I'm also like almost a 30 year old man. I'm not going out trying to fist fight yeah. someone and on the street. what do you mean by doing that? Yeah. And, and, but there is that thing of like, that's the way I was raised. If someone's shit talking, you were coming at you, you fucking go at them. Mm-hmm. And when you're dealing with people who just want a reaction out of you, who are just trying to get that, mm. dude, it's fucking you hard. You can't use that strategy. Yeah. You got to come up with a new strategy. Dude, it's hard to be the bigger person. But to, but to tell you the truth, like, I really don't mind, like, just, just like, hate. Like, there's different levels of shit, right? Like, if you just don't like me, like, that's cool. Like, an example would be, I love when a new show comes out. Mm-hmm. I love going through Twitter. See, I look for it. This is the problem. <laughs> And I'll and I will look, I'll type in my name with the show to see what everyone's saying. And I'll find people who are shit talking. Let's say it's like, I can't fucking stand Joey. He's the absolute worst. And I'll be like, yo, you should talk to my sisters. They'd say the same thing. Like <laughs> So you make a joke out of it. Yeah, I think But why don't you search up the people who are saying good stuff and comment to them? Oh, I do. Oh, I, okay. I I see you both. balance it out. Yeah, I, I I try to talk to everyone to tell you the truth because okay. I think it's a blessing to have the opportunity that I have. And I also think Let's just be honest, dude. You're going on a fucking reality show. Part of the fun of it 
is people like who they like mm-hmm. and don't like who they don't like. Mm-hmm. You've done it. I've done it. We've all sat on the couch sure. and said, and past judgment. Love him. Yeah. Fuck him. Yeah. That's part of the fun. I think that there's something different when people take things to an extreme of like really attacking, like and mm-hmm. trying to. And I saw that. Who do you think on Perfect Match got the most brutal attacks? Francesca. Really? Why? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that she went there to go in and do her thing the way she had to do it. And I, I could say from myself, uh, from what I've seen online, there were people being fucking vicious towards her, calling her misogynistic names, hateful things. And I would respond to them and be like, fucking stop, dude. Like, it's a show. Like, relax. It's not that serious. You're attacking someone. But to tell you the truth, man, I can't think of many people who didn't get it in some capacity really? during the course of the show from what i've seen i would say i got to give a shout out to my boy shane because this was his redemption show because okay. i know love is blind was a very difficult experience for him mm-hmm. this show was phenomenal for him so he had a blast which okay. i'm so happy for him okay. with. um but yeah i think that uh a lot of people were being very vicious towards francesca very vicious towards dom um, towards Georgia, towards myself. Uh, like there was just a lot of just a lot of negativity with this one. Do you trade the ratings for the negativity, or do you want the ratings and you'll take the negativity? I think you have to take the ratings with the negativity for the simple fact of you can't run from it. This could be whether you're doing reality television or making a film. I mean. I always look at it like you could star in a three hundred million dollar Disney film that could tank. It's Mm -hmm. happened. Your career is done. People hate you. You're the worst. Mm -hmm. No studio wants to work with you. This is part of the risk of what you do. You sign up for this. So that's why I don't want to seem like someone who's just bitching and crying. But like, if you're asking me my honest feelings and emotions on it, I'll speak on it. But like, you have to know what you're getting in for. Mm -hmm. I think everyone knows that. I just think, again, at a certain point, don't you, even if you're not looking at someone, you're looking at them through a phone, like, don't you realize I'm a human being? Yeah, I think we lose that because we feel like we're so used to watching actors mm-hmm. that we're like, oh, these are actors, but they're not. They're real people. And yeah. a lot of them aren't as media trained or have experience like yourself in the industry to know what it's about. So it's a shock. Actually, Hannah Brown was just here from um, The Bachelor and mm-hmm. The Bachelorette, and she was saying how she was just like a small town girl that came on to TV into Hollywood, and then she got blasted by comments like, with a fire hose she had no idea how to yeah and we forget that these people are just like us mm-hmm. that if you have you know millions of people judging you in a given moment it takes a toll yeah. and a unique toll yeah. one that like we're not even used to as a society yet but really. also what other people don't talk about with that is with people piling on it could take away further career opportunities that's true too from things that have nothing to do with you just from public opinion because yeah. i know how these people think they they're sitting there casting or looking for people that they believe to lead a show or to mm-hmm. do something um uh, not very well publicly liked mm-hmm. or not this and that because they want everyone to be like you're gonna deliver mm-hmm. deliver 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 sure and sometimes they will take that person that they know is not well liked because it's gonna make people write in and say shit but yeah man for the most part like i can't tell you how many friends have reached out to me over the years because they have seen how I've been able to handle things in my own career and do things and ask for advice because they were someone who just auditioned for something. <laughs> yeah, now it's and they got cut, they got cast and yeah. overnight everything changed. Where I felt prepared for that and I cannot imagine 
not being prepared for that and then just having it come at you at 100 miles an hour that has to be terrifying that's scary do you, uh before i ask you about your health you you mentioned some things that you wanted to spill the tea on uh, on uh, perfect match yeah. what happened behind the scenes dude i mean here's the thing the spill in the tea it was just fucking crazy there was okay. so like you watch the show and uh-huh. it seems great there was so much ego going on during this fucking show because really? you gotta you gotta look at it like it was pitched as netflix's biggest singles yeah coming together so there was so many things that were happening of just bickering between people and for me i could say what was so stressful is like shane calls me the middleman okay he's like i can't trust you because you're the fucking middleman <laughs> he's like you're, you're always in the middle like okay. no one likes someone in the middle but like i am because like i'm friends generally with everybody mm-hmm. so if you're coming to me like i'll give this is something that wasn't on the show mm-hmm. mitchell came into the house mm-hmm. um at this point, I just met Shane. We had been boys. I'm like, yo, I'm gonna fucking, I'm gonna try to get him with Chloe because I, Chloe's one of my best friends. I mm-hmm. could see that happening. Mitchell comes into the house, and all of a sudden, Mitchell was with Chloe. I saw that relationship. I was there during that time, so I'm gonna talk to my boy Mitchell and be like, bro, if you have a shot here, you better fucking do it right. You yeah. better get your head out of your ass, commit to this girl, do everything needs to be done. Now I'm in a weird position, yeah, because I'm good friends with Shane. Good friends with Mitch. Shane's mad at me for no reason. I did nothing besides try to be a friend to both of them. So it was shit like that that for me, like, I'm really not a confrontational person. Like, uh, you watch the show. Yeah. Do p- producers come and whisper in your ear and tell you, like, yo, work, work this drama in? Here's the thing I can tell you. 100% for my thing, yeah. everything was real. Really? Everything. Because I've heard from other shows where they're like work this out. no i've heard the same thing as well but like i i think the difference with this show is you're working with all pros so to speak okay okay who, i love that you guys are pros yeah now. like <laughs> like how pathetic stars. is that like it's not pathetic pro, no, no, no but like thought you have it. to laugh at it yeah. like it's absurd yeah. like and i think that really did make a difference during the making of the show and like i'll give you an example francesca with that situation she's said not great things about me mm-hmm. for every podcast she's done um, something you didn't see on the show was you saw a snippet in the beginning of me talking to her mm-hmm. night one and saying, yeah, I remember, look at, I talk shit about you. Mm-hmm. I said this, that, and the other thing about you. I also wasn't sober. Uh, I got a lot of flack for being an abuser or a fuck boy. Cause I had sex with two women in my life while being a single man. Mm-hmm. Like no one has done that. Uh, but I knew nothing with me and her would be romantic. Cause I was friends with her ex. So to me, it was like, let me try to clear the air here mm-hmm. and start over so one thing that was cut from the show was it was sort of edited to look like me francesca and carrie were like like the three amigos where throughout the whole course of the show me and francesca were really like close about a lot of things and all the things that people were uh picking her apart for she would come to me and talk to me about or carrie separately and i'd be like dude do it like you're here to do what you want to do for you and I was watching her do her thing like, yo, she's absolutely killing it. And you watch the show and she made great television and she's being true to herself. So to see people um, go on and on about her being a terrible person, like, really, dude, like if you're a single person, do whatever the fuck you want to do. You don't yeah. owe anything to anyone. It is what it is. But yeah, those are things that didn't make the show. Uh, it's unfortunate that we're not on good terms now. I don't. I don't know why, why. No, I I cannot tell you. I have no idea. We were extremely close. Uh, me and Carrie's relationship ended. Uh, then it's like mine and her relationship sort of ended. I think she's like being like the loyal friend, but she's made a point to go and be like, well, he wasn't there for the right reasons. Well, like Francesca, like, come on. Like, who are you to say that? 
Like you saw me there every everyone's single day. Everyone's entitled. To yeah, that. everyone's entitled. But my, I think the difference with me is again, it goes back to if that's the way you felt. Like I, again, I, I challenge anyone to find a clip on that show of me talking shit about anyone. Because if I'm gonna talk shit to someone, I'm gonna say it to you. Mm-hmm. I don't like the whole Mike. We're boys. Oh, I'm gonna go for an interview. Yo, fuck Mike. Mm-hmm. Like I don't operate that way. I think it's unfortunate things have went that way, but I think at the end of the day, people have to do what's best for them. Sure. And especially given how confrontational and so many outside forces are at play when you're making a show like that or you're deciding what to say in a podcast, Mm -hmm. you know, you want to make ratings, you want to make views, you want to make it interesting. There's so many things. People are telling you things and DMing you stories. You don't know who to believe. So who knows what's going on? It's, dude, and especially with a show, I think we had 22 people in Mm -hmm. the cast. it's a lot of people yeah. and a lot of people weighing in with personalities with personalities and opinions. So I, there has been a lot of drama throughout the course of the show's release. And again, like that gives me anxiety. Mm-hmm. So that's where I don't really weigh in on anything. I'm going to sit back and I'm going to pick up my phone and call my friends and be like, are you okay? Mm-hmm. Do you need anything? Do you need to vent? Mm-hmm. Um, are you really mentally in an okay space right now? Because you know, when the entire world is weighing in on you with your personal life and something as intimate as dating, mm-hmm. that can really fuck with yeah. someone's mind. Yeah, man. big time. And I understand it's a fun dating show. People just hooking up. I wish <laughs> the audience took it yeah. that way and sure. just had fun with it. But yeah, man, I think uh, part of the struggle with with this show this time around was I really wish the cast were able to be united sort of like it was on the circle because i know when we wrapped all of us were it was like yo like i always have the mentality we just made something dope like i take the film mentality we went to war together and we came out on the other side we're gonna have something dope that the entire world is gonna see how amazing is that and i think we all felt that way when we wrapped i think since the show has been released has not gone that way (laughs) at all and there's lots of different camps and people are good with some people other people aren't good with others I think I'm good with everyone for the most part, but okay. it's one of those it's one of those things where I I refuse to let the negativity weigh into the positivity that I experience from the show. That's good. Do you think you received more, let's say, DMs as a measure of uh, interactions from the circle or from the show? Um, from the circle, for really? sure. Really? Yeah, for dude, the circle was a firestorm that I I remember sitting there, dude. Like I'd be on my phone and I'd refresh. And the followers would be going up 10,000 every five seconds, wow. like just up. And then you go to your messages and it would just keep going and going. And uh, I just, again, have realized at this point that was the lightning. That was the, the lightning in the bottom moment that's on the shelf. Sure. That's not going to be touched. Anything else from now is is super cool. I did see, though, from this show that doing dating shows does bring a completely different type of fan base mm-hmm. um, and people people live for these shows oh yeah it's nuts their livelihood yeah dude do you um who's the coolest person that dm'd you from the circle coolest person that That you're like whoa i can't believe this person's in my fuck i'm trying to think i talked to vanessa hudgens for a minute okay she was uh amazing i was such a fan of hers and i I think i had reached out to her Mm -hmm. and i think she had dm'd me back uh which was so dope and she was just such a gracious person and we just talked movies and shit that we were into like horror films and stuff like that which was super dope uh amy poehler Mm. amazing i will forever give my love to that woman um she sat down with me and really showed me so much respect and wanted to help me 
in any way that she could and and was very open about she's not a big reality television person but you know all the people she works with are like you gotta watch this show and you gotta watch this dude and she was like i remember we sat down and had dinner and she was like you know i was watching the show while researching you and it's so clear that you're an actor and you know how to play for camera mm -hmm. and i told her i studied years of improv and theater and all of these things which that is reality television it mm -hmm. is theater and improv like i was on a show with no one but myself yeah exactly where no you word. have to yeah. be entertaining 24 hours a day so to sit down with someone like herself who is such a tycoon in the industry and has done so much amazing work and to have her say yo dude i see you you're doing well keep going like that for me was like oh my god uh, just that like out of body experience. Am I living somebody else's life? What is happening right now? And I do say that the one thing that's bittersweet about the circle, I know everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. I understand that the pandemic killed everything I had going. Like I had really broken through and had so many doors opened and so many things lined up and it all went away overnight mm -hmm. because it was the first time in history mm -hmm. no one knew where the business was at like sure. you know when we met yeah we were doing a show on on what zoom, yeah, zoom. Yeah. so everyone was trying to do their own thing so there is something there that is a little bittersweet about the experience for me just because i'm like i work so hard for that opportunity to really have my moment and try to go with it as far as i could and as far as other people i've dm'd I, I've, I've DM so many. I can't tell you how many times I DM Pamela Anderson being like, I loved you. Your posters were on my wall my entire life. You still look great. You're doing great, by the way. The documentary Hope, on Netflix. Hopefully she DMs you back now. Oh, dude. I would, oh, my God. I have, to, I have to say something else. This is nuts. Oh, tell me. You know who followed me the other day? Who? Carmen Electra. Wow. Dude. That's like you same asked, era as Pamela Anderson? You asked my family. There was two women I loved. <laughs> Pamela Anderson and Carmen Electra. Okay, so she, I'm assuming you messaged her after she followed you. You're, no, I didn't. Mike, let me tell Are you Are you why. scared? Dr. Mike, I messaged this woman like 10 times over the last three years tagging her in stories yeah. of like, who's your celebrity crush? Uh -huh. Who's your person? I'm like, I can't DM her again. Like at yeah. this point, she knows I reached out. Like <laughs> this is just sad and depressing if I'm like... Hey, Miss Electra. Hello. Thanks for the follow. That's awesome. I dude, I got so nervous when that happened. My face got beat red. And I was like to my friend, I was like, Josh, Carmen Electra just <laughs> followed me. He's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. So like, this is my moment. That's it to show. be. That's continued. why you were rapping lose yourself when you walked in here. Bro, here's the thing. Because this is the moment. I don't know if you notice about me. I am the biggest diehard Eminem fan. Really? Okay. You will I, I was too growing up. I like, still am. Yeah. I love everything. I mean, I love does. Eminem too, but that's how I started for mm -hmm. me. Like obviously. Some shady days. So I got to ask, what's your favorite Eminem record? I, I never did it by records because uh, when I was young, I was really poor growing up mm -hmm. and I would get my CDs illegally purchased on Canal Street. Love that. So like they weren't the real records. Right. They would a lot of times either be singles or like randomly someone burn the disc with like three songs on it. Um, but Lose Yourself is definitely one of my favorites. Actually, for my boxing match, I wanted Till I Collapse to be my song to walk out to. Yeah. But it seems like every boxing guy does that song. So I'm like, all right, I can't do You that. could do the Till I Collapse remix, which is not an official remix. It's a fan edit, but like it's become oh, very it's popular. Cool oh, bro, it's Eminem, 50, Tupac. It's so Do you know good. what my walkout song was for um, Showtime Boxing, my last match on Jake Paul's undercard? What was it? It was uh, I Need a Doctor. Oh my God, dude, that <laughs> I mean, song, appropriate. dude, that song goes so hard. Yeah. If you're ever in bed and need to kill like 10 minutes, watch <laughs> M and Dre's performance of uh, I Need a Doctor at the Grammys. Oh, I got to see that. 
I, I know the music video by heart, but not that. Dude, the, the Grammy performance. Really? Oh, dude, it'll give you goosebumps. Oh, wow. Like That okay. was in an era of his career where he was sober, but back. Because mm. like it took him a while to sure. get his bearings back. And every performance, you just saw a man who was determined to just knock you out. Mm -hmm. So I, I love that whole era of like recovery. Uh, I think that was around 2011, 2010, yeah. 2011. Like something special was just really happening in his career yeah, at that time. That was really cool. Um, about your health, I've read before that you were following a keto diet. Are you still doing that? On and off. Um, okay, what, I'm curious what drives that choice for you. Dropping weight. Okay. Uh, drops weight easy. When I had to get in shape for my movie uh, that I made before The Circle, I, I was searching all different different things on so many different supplements, and that's when keto had just become like a thing. Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, I can eat fucking burgers and steak like everything i live for every day okay. and it was crazy how much weight i dropped mm -hmm. and like felt yeah. absolutely fantastic i i did that before a perfect match as well i basically uh ate nothing but texas day brazil which was in the hotel so every day i was just crushing sausages uh ribs things like that i know well, you know keto is supposed to be moderate protein high fat bro I you were high oh i was i was all in <laughs> i went all in like here's the thing if i if i'm like at a home base I, i'll do the whole meal prep i weigh everything out to the exact ounce and and mm -hmm. in the gym doing everything the thing i've struggled with since getting sober is gaining weight mm -hmm. because now your meal your your appetite comes back sure and i'm in a family that loves to eat mm -hmm. And when I lived in LA, I was very disciplined because I could shop for myself, do things. Mm -hmm. So I've tried to be better of like doing intermittent fasting. I'll fast for 18 to 22 hours. Mm -hmm. I'll drink a gallon of water every single day. That's a big thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as proper eating and keeping my stomach down, that's something I've definitely struggled with now because my body's changing. I'm going to be 30 years old this year. It's not the same way as I was in my early 20s. Mm -hmm. So I do get worried with the keto thing. My sister mainly yells at me because she's like, we have bad hearts in our family. Yeah, well, that's what I, my warning that I was going to put out for you. It's awful for you, right? Uh, I don't want to say awful. Um, I think that, first of all, it's hard to keep on such a restrictive diet for mm -hmm. that long period of time. You also got to be really, really well planned on it to make sure that you're not losing a lot of nutrients because some of the vegetables you can't eat, some of the fruits you can't eat. Mm. And as a result, you're not getting vitamins and minerals that you need. Mm. And then also because you're consuming such a high fat diet long term, it's not clear what happens to your cholesterol profile because we've seen the cholesterol profile go up. Yeah, And we know that a high cholesterol is really unhealthy for you and creates risk of heart disease, strokes, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't have perfect evidence to say if you eat specifically keto and your cholesterol goes up, does that equal the same risk that if I eat really unhealthy diet, American standard diet, right. and have my cholesterol up and have those high risks? Mm -hmm. Does it still play out? Maybe not one-to-one, -one, mm -hmm. but it's probably not ideal. I think it's safe to say that it's not well, ideal. Well, let me ask you, what what have you found for you is a, is a good balance like for your diet? I don't like even the word diet because mm -hmm. I think it implies that you have to be restrictive in this sort of conversation. And yes, it is a calories in calories out. People will like, you have all these weight coaches that are like screaming at people of and course. saying discipline, discipline. Yes. Discipline's part of it, but really needs to be more of a lifestyle thought mm -hmm. behind it. Cause anything that you're going to create a restrictive plan for yourself, like how you did with your sleep. Yeah. That's only going to last a certain period of time until you burn out of that motivation. Of course. So it has to be some sort of creative long-term solution that you're saying, okay, I'm going to eat 
during these times of the day because this is makes sense with my lifestyle and yep. I don't have to cut a lot out. Yep. And maybe I start with a small change and work my way from there. Are you a small portions guy? Um, no, I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting mm -hmm. with the exception of when I was training for my boxing matches because for those you need energy for of training course. in the morning and at night. So I like intermittent fasting. I'll monitor my caloric intake mm -hmm. just so I don't overdo it. But in general, once you study like weighing out your food for a period of a month, mm -hmm. you kind of have a sense of how many calories are in things. Dude, it really shrinks your stomach. Yeah. Like, like, and there is no better feeling than when you are being on the ball with your eating mm -hmm. and you feel you yourself eat a meal that really fills you up and yep. you feel full and you don't feel that. Cause like, again, with me, it's, it's overeating. Either, yeah. Oh bro. Like Extremes. if I'm, if I'm doing like the, the restrictive stuff and I'm on the ball with it, I'm so, I won't cheat. I won't do nothing. If I'm not, I'm grub. Like before I came in here, homie grubbed two hot dogs and loved every minute no. of it. And it was fantastic. Right, but those are the unhealthy foods. And I don't just say unhealthy because of the cholesterol. So. Yeah. There's like preservatives in in these foods that if we know we overeat them, mm -hmm. they cause legitimate risks in cancer. And I'm the one that actually downplays some of these things. For example, people say red meat is a potential carcinogen. It's on the WHO scale of carcinogens that is uh, on par with some of the evidence for smoking and et cetera. Yeah. That risk needs to be understood as an absolute risk in your life. So if you're a regular person, just taking a random person plucked from the population, your risk is 4%. Yeah. If eating red meat brings you to 5%, that's a 1% change. Mm -hmm. But that's really a 20% relative risk bump. Yeah. So they'll say raising, eating red meat raises your risk by 20%. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's 20%, but really because it's small, it's 1%. Right. So then you have to weigh it into how that impacts your whole life. But the hot dogs and those like hyper preservative foods mm -hmm. are worse than the red meats. So have you, have you ever been a smoker? Never? Never. I've never oh, tried. Yeah. God bless you. That, yeah, I've been a lifelong smoker. Okay. It's terrible. So what, what what does that mean? I was just, when you're sitting there talking about eating all this and that and, and the meats and stuff, I, I think about how, this is so bad to say, but like what? for so long, I was just like, oh, thank God I smoke so I don't have to eat a whole bunch of shitty food. I know it's, it makes no sense. No, it makes sense. Okay. I but, see what you're saying. But, uh, but like, again, when you quit smoking and then you try to come off of it yeah come off of it and put yourself on a on a better diet and taking things in like for me i i tell people all the time you really do feel so fantastic when you're on a really good food intake of mm -hmm. eating i love salmon i love fruits love vegetables of all those things but dude i love me a wendy's spicy chicken combo mm -hmm. some fucking hot sauce but you know mental health plays a huge role in this right? oh of course because if you're in a nervous place if mm -hmm. you're in a sad place extremely to the point where it's disordered yeah now you could be almost medicating yourself with the food oh of course yeah i mean i've known people even very close people in my life whose drug of choice was food yeah and i think it, it offers a high like anything else and i think that's the interesting thing i've seen in in the last few years is i think that everyone has their vices i really do i feel well, like sure that's yeah. everyone has their vices but i think that we're always so used to seeing those vices as being a, a few certain things and not a whole wide range spectrum of things like even talking about going to support groups there are support groups for everything mm -hmm. like for people who struggle with addictions to a ton of a ton of different things so i think shining a light on those people and those things feeling a little bit more open because i feel like there is still a stigma of saying I have a problem. I need help 
with this as mm-hmm. something as simple as eating because some people cannot control themselves with how much they intake. Anything that impacts your neurotransmitters, the feel-good ones, the dopamine, the serotonin, that mm-hmm. can lead to a, a, an addiction. Whether you're talking about video games, sex, gambling, yeah. all those things. And a lot of times, like I had a patient the other day, uh, a young gentleman who has a, a true gambling addiction, mm-hmm. can't stop betting on sports, and he wants to stop. Very passionate, very, very driven, mm-hmm. wants to stop. Now, with him, we had to figure out why is he gambling? Why does he continue to gamble despite the fact that he wants to stop? Mm -hmm. And when we started figuring it out, he started seeing on his own, this is his own recollection and understanding of the situation, is every time he would feel feelings of anxiety or worry about things that were outside of his control, that he really Mm -hmm. shouldn't be worried about, like his mom would go to the grocery store in a very safe neighborhood, driving a very short distance. He would worry about her losing her life. So it was extreme anxiety. Yeah. And then uh, he would worry about failures at school when he was doing great in school. So it was all of these really heavy, almost irrational, he called them anxieties. And then he would have components of OCD as well, obsessive compulsive disorder with doing certain compulsions. Mm-hmm. To quiet them down, when he put a bet, all those things went away because his worry shifted to the game, which he could watch and that's kind of enjoying. Mm -hmm. And then he forgot all about the anxieties. The second the game ended, back to the anxieties. How terrible did this make his life? Destroyed his life, which is why he wanted to stop. Yeah, But we could only stop, not by talking about the gambling, but by talking about the things that were, he was trying to hide with the gambling. And at that point, when you have a vice, let's say gambling, I've I've known some people who've also struggled with that. Mm Is it even about the money? No, it's about in, for example, when we treat gambling addiction, yeah. the things that we're really trying to treat, at least from like a pharmacological perspective, medication perspective, mm-hmm. is what's driving the gambling. And in his case, it was the OCD component, the anxiety component. Treating that will treat the gambling component. Well, and it's crazy too how sometimes the highs you get from things aren't even from the things that you're doing. Like for an example, I once heard someone say in a meeting, you never get more high than on the way to go buy your shit, mm-hmm. which is a hundred percent true. Yep. Of like, it's about the the ritual, mm-hmm. making a phone call, picking something, getting in the car, going to do something, and yeah, man, like I just feel bad for that dude. That's rough. I mean, yeah, a lot of people are struggling. So this is why I'm very conflicted with the gambling sites being everywhere. It's very triggering for him. I also found him groups to attend. Mm-hmm. So it's like a 360 approach. It's not just, oh yeah, here's some medication. It's I hope the groups can the help group. him. Yeah, I'm hopeful too. We're, we're I mean, right in the middle of it. So. Yeah, like therapy, therapy for me was, again, just for me, lifesaver. Mm-hmm. I had never been in a space of just being 100% open, honest, and... I am a person who is very coachable. Mm-hmm. So like, if you tell me to do something, like your word is God. I'm like mm-hmm. Dr. Mike says, I got to do this shit. I'm going to do this shit. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think for a lot of people from when I've talked to friends, just some people are very difficult to hearing other people's advice. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, again, it's if they're in truth-seeking mode or they want compassion mode. That's it. Goes back right to that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Goes back right to that. Have you seen any health claims or anything like on social media or in the reality star world that people are doing and you're like, why are people doing this to their health? Like to be fitter, stronger, faster, sexier. Um, I would say if I've seen anything, sometimes it's hawking products that you know mm-hmm. are just like bullshit. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm 50-50 on that. Like I, what are the claims that you've seen? Well, not, You don't have to say the problem. No, yeah, just 
it's just things you see of like take this to lose x amount of weight in mm-hmm. in 20 days where i've worked i've been in shape and dieted my whole life and done this i'm like bro you ain't taking <laughs> shit that's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna fucking do that yeah. the only way you're doing that is hard work and dedication yeah, exactly. putting it in or if you are it's really unhealthy yeah and and again like i see people who have gotten in shape very fast mm-hmm. especially like i know you're in the boxing world mm-hmm. with things uh, i grew up in the fight game and seeing that, I call bullshit and a lot of these fighters who are out there because I think they are 100% steroid users. Mm-hmm. There is no way you're getting someone who hasn't been a fighter, mm-hmm. putting them in a gym and putting them in to fight and actually fight the way some people have. Like who? Who's like, I, I've just watched these influencer boxing cards and I think you can watch the kids who are getting in there and really you can tell have been working and doing things, mm-hmm. but versus other people who I think are clearly on steroids. And I don't, I want to know who it is. No, I, I, I will bleep their name. No, honestly, I, I don't, I don't know people's names. Oh, okay, like okay. I've you watched like, like it. my friend Chase, for example, mm-hmm. he, he fights on uh the zone mm-hmm. and I've watched his fight cards and because the influencer boxing thing has become such a thing. And I'm very mixed on it because I grew up in the gym with kids who had nothing. Mm-hmm. Fighting was the only thing they had. It's the only thing I had, but I don't say I had nothing because I didn't. I had a beautiful family, and my father did well for mm-hmm. himself. Um, and you watch kids train their entire life, fighting hundreds of amateur fights, traveling all over the country, all over the world to hopefully have a professional career that goes somewhere, to watch someone with a following on social media get in and just talk shit do this that like i get you're trying to make money and i get you're trying to sell a fight but like for me it is the love of the sport mm-hmm. i would love if it brings more kids to picking up boxing i'm not a ufc fan personally it's just okay. too barbaric but i just think that there's something lost there because i go home to rochester and i still see friends who grew up with that fight with that dream in them and it never went anywhere so it, it kind of really gets under my skin to see i see what you mean opportunities come for so many people who have never worked for that. Yeah, it's funny because they'll say they worked for the following and from the following they're getting people to buy and mm-hmm. they're creating the business. And dude, you know what? Maybe they did. I yeah, that's that's the thing say, is yeah. I don't know still to this day. I don't know the influencer world. Well, I'll full on bring this on me. Yeah. I'm a doctor. Yep. I have no place on a Showtime pay-per-view card, yep. right? Like I did not have an amateur career. I did not train boxing legitimately for 10 years. Like I hit pads with a trainer once a week. That's yeah. not boxing training. Um, why am I in a pay-per-view Showtime main card? You're bringing people in. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're saying I don't deserve yeah, it. Yeah, I agree I think, with you. I think whose card were you on? Jake Paul's. Okay. Anderson Silva. That's the whole thing, but the whole Jake Paul thing, right? Mm-hmm. I think you can go... 50 50 with that there's the part of me that says um he's brilliant business god bless him for what he's done because the public's been stupid enough to buy it mm-hmm. insane that he's been able to do that i think he took his playbook from connor who took his playbook from floyd who took his playbook from ali it's just gone down the line every single way make mm-hmm. yourself the most hated man which is going to make yourself you know sell all the fights and do things so the fact that it's worked as well as it has is insane i just think even with Jake, um, he's fought old men who weren't fighters. Well, Tommy's younger than him. Well, well, for exception of that fight and all the fights he's had leading up. And when I say weren't fighters, I know people will go crazy. They're UFC fighters. Well, they, yeah, would, they are older. Right? They would That's kill true. a fighter in a, in a boxer, I should say, in a normal setting. I just think that from growing up in the gym with nothing but my hands, you see how boxers learn to fight, learn to punch. When mm-hmm. I watch how a lot of these guys punch, they don't punch the same exact way. And... 
there is that part of me that's like it's it's really sad that Jake Paul is bringing the sport as much as it is because there should be up and coming names and fighters but so much of the business now is social media mm -hmm. doesn't matter if it's boxing doesn't matter if it's film and television it all goes back to social these people have numbers they're gonna bring people in and I think that's hard when you take someone whose only skill set has been be in the gym every single day and be the best fighter possible it used to be that's what brought the audience yeah and now it's changed but now that's the changed. audience to blame mm -hmm. yeah i Not mean the it's talent right? it's it's <laughs> it's the audience i think it's i think it's like for me when i'm being a prick about it it goes everywhere sure it's fuck the fighters yeah fuck, <laughs> fuck the everybody. audience fuck everyone because it's just it's just hard man like i have a friend to this day who's in prison mm -hmm. who i grew up with for was in prison for years for attempted murder mm -hmm. Uh, is back in on a, on a gun charge and still to this day will will tell someone that when he gets out he's going to be champion of the world which is heartbreaking because the only thing he didn't have a father my father was like his father my family was like his family all he had was that gym mm -hmm. so i feel it on such a deeper level of it's not just like fuck these people because they're not fighters it's mm -hmm. just like man i've seen what this gives to people in their life who don't have nothing who come from the ghettos and and I, I completely see that. That it's not earned. Yeah. And I but again, I think the fun of it is just like this is like the prick part of me where I'm like like I don't I think you keep giving it a ne negative label. It's it's uh, a nostalgic. Yeah, thing. but like I always have to be just be honest about shit of like, you know, when I, I think I was angrier when I was younger when mm -hmm. it came down to it because I was the kid who who loved to fight. Mm -hmm. Loved to fight. Okay. And had to be mindful of that because like I can't I don't know if you can see my wrist was broken right Ooh. here. My all okay. these are permanently okay. cracked okay. from just years of growing up fighting. I'm I can't fight anymore. There's no more training. I'm not getting into any mm -hmm. anything. It it is kind of upsetting because I feel like if there was something I would have done well with, it would have been this time of this influencer fighting. Cause I have no doubt in my mind I would have fucking destroyed people. <laughs> like So you think you'd beat Jake Paul? I will say this. Um, if I was in shape, like in shape and really on my game, I think it would definitely be interesting. I called him out two years ago, mm -hmm. and that was in a that was when I was newly sober. Not a good time to be doing anything, but I was just trying to grab on to something and like all I've ever had was the boxing. So I immediately went to that. Um, I think if I was in shape, truly in it for years, no doubt in my mind I was a nasty fighter. Mm -hmm. And I had a great chin never went down so we're gonna have to do a netflix boxing series with you versus chase here's the thing chase is a fucking big man uh he's a big man that's the one thing i don't i don't have going i i wish i hope in his next fight he sits on his punches a little bit more because mm -hmm. the one thing i just feel like i see from the influencer boxing that's so frustrating is does no one work with these fucking kids on fundamentals I think it's hard when you're picking up a new sport and mm -hmm. you have a vision of what you think you're supposed to do and you've never trained for it. It doesn't come natural. Like you, you did it when you were five, six years old, as yeah. you said. It's very different. Like even now, uh, now I've been training for like two years pretty religiously. And even now my trainer will have me come up to a bag and say, okay, I want you to double jab stepping in mm -hmm. and then give me a, a, like a, a gut punch, a two straight punch, mm -hmm. come back 
step one step back and then step one side uh, one step to the right mm -hmm. and then come back in with a double jab again mm -hmm. even doing that the awkward footwork is really hard to master really yeah like it's an awkward movement because well, you're just not used to being in that position i remember when i grew up when i was in i was in a predominantly black gym mm -hmm. and it was we gotta teach the white boy how to dance okay so it was you're gonna throw on hip-hop and you're gonna bounce around the ring sure. and shadow box and get that footwork in and I would say for me, like the one thing I've always had still to this day is, is a phenomenal jab, mm -hmm. phenomenal jab, terrible right hand, Okay, uh, not as strong as, as anything else. But I, I think it's, it's just crazy to me when I see a lot of these people get in the ring, no foot movement, do not know how to throw a proper punch, squared up, just sure. fucking lunging. And I'm sitting there like, well, that's why it's entertainment. It's not true sport of boxing yeah no I, I and they have brought viewership to the traditional sport of boxing too which is great which is which is no doubt but i think that leaves me more scared of okay what's down the line you know what i'm saying yeah. because besides davis and garcia like who are real up-and-coming well, we prospects? Have plant and uh david benavides but i think ufc has just completely taken yeah, over it has it has for sure there's not a because before the heavyweights were big i mean like tyson fury um fight was supposed to happen mm -hmm. sad that it's not anymore yeah but, but, Usyk, but. you know i think it, it goes into the audience's bloodlust i think that when you go to a boxing match typically people want to see someone get knocked out they want to see that let's be honest when you have a fucking six foot four 225 pound man fighting another guy like that with no padding and gloves you're gonna see blood yeah you're gonna see someone get knocked out it's just for me, it's no disrespect to the sport, the art of boxing, of standing toe-to-toe -to -toe with another man and giving it 110%. Like, there's no hatred there. There's no anything. It's it's you guys are putting both of yourselves to the test. I don't know if you've ever seen... Um, who's your favorite fighter of all time? I don't know. I don't have an answer to that. Do you know who Arturo Gatti is? Of course, yeah. Okay, have you watched... Yes, with Mickey, yeah, of course. Round nine, yeah, that's the, the most fight. ridiculous round of all time. It is. I mean, insane. Uh, there's another one with what's his name who got into the motorcycle accident. Who? Uh, tall guy. His name. Anyway, he gets like knocked down three times, and then he ends up knocking the guy. Yeah, out. I know. Yeah. yeah, you know what I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, okay. So Arturo Gotti. Yeah. yeah, I just, I just think like you watch Arturo Gotti, and that wasn't a guy who was meant to be a world champion. That was a guy who had a bigger heart than anyone had ever seen same with mickey ward and mm -hmm. that was greatness and you could see other. them coming together at the end of that fight. and that's yeah. what it was about it wasn't about it i think a lot of people misconstrued that with with boxing it's not a when you have to sell a fight that is yeah it's not about hatred it's not about fuck you mm -hmm. it's about like we've worked our entire lives for this and i am meeting my best opponent my dancing partner and when you watch those three fights i mean i think someone might look at it and think of it as barbaric i look at it and see like it's beautiful these two guys are giving each other everything i mean dude round nine yeah but you could see how someone could see that as barbaric no there's I, blood no, everywhere I, I, but honestly put for yourself me, in their shoes i can't though because concussions that's i'm so narrow-minded there where i just i grew up with it but it's normal for you it's normal every single day like that was that was normal and and to sit there and uh, i think every i think boxing is the most racially segregated sport like fucking Italians love Italian fighters. Mm -hmm. Mexicans love Mexican fighters. And mm -hmm. I think you see crowds who love going against each other. Sure. When you look at that matchup of Irish versus Italian, that mm. that brought some some serious sure. heat back in the day, man. But it's interesting. Even even with Jake Paul, 
Um, I have a ton of respect for what he's been able to do for him as a businessman because mm -hmm. he's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And after I did watch his fight with Tommy, and I'm happy he wasn't trying to make excuses, trying to say anything, he lost. It is what it is. And like you said, it's about coming back and doing things. So I think it'll be interesting to see to see that rematch between them. Yeah. My biggest thing that I really like that Jake has done is the, the buildup of women's boxing bringing in Amanda Serrano, mm -hmm. seven-time well, champion. And, and also trying to take care of fighters and, and exactly. do things. Like, yeah. I think that's the thing. Like, I think I bought into originally the fuck Jake Paul shit mm -hmm. because I was buying into the videos I was watching mm -hmm. with no context. Mm -hmm. So that's where so I become... So you were being a reality that's where TV I become, viewer. Yeah. That's where I become <laughs> that fucking guy. Exactly. Yeah. Where I'm like, fuck that dude. Yeah. And then you give it some time and you sit there and you look at it and you're like, oh, I see what the kid's doing, him and his brother. Like, they're mm -hmm. smart businessmen. Mm -hmm. And... They're they're trying to navigate. And it doesn't mean you're co-signing everything that they do that you disagree with. No, and, and honestly, there's there's no hate there at all. I just wish that boxing in general had more names to sure. get people excited for and kids in gyms. But I think it's cool if someone sees Jake and goes, I want to pick up a pair of gloves. I want to go to a gym. I just think it's hard with the stigma of social media today mm -hmm. being tied to everything. Would that we you do. let your child box? Oh, absolutely. My kid's going to be in the gym. Okay. There's, so no worries about head injury. No, I mean, here's the thing. Get a head injury walking out and slamming your head into the door. Like but not the same thing. It, but it is though. But it's like, not the chance of that happening versus getting in a ring but every like, day sparring. When you were a kid, same. you have cousins, friends. Well, I hope yeah. I have a friend. Well, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> you really like, isolated like, did you, me. Just did you guys... <laughs> he just really said to me, do you have friends? Did you guys beat the shit out of each other? You guys uh, ever do that shit? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. I did Taekwondo for nine years. So okay, yeah. so like shit like that where I feel like you can get injured anywhere. Like when I was a kid, my dad's thing was kids are little pricks. Mm -hmm. You're going to deal with a lot of fucking assholes. Mm -hmm. You're going to know how to defend yourself, take care of yourself. Well, there's difference to learning self-defense versus becoming a professional fighter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I would say to that... That's where me having a father changed everything for me because none of my friends had that. Mm -hmm. So the only thing they had was boxing, and that's what they were going to go and do. My dad's thing was, "You are never doing this for a career. I'm not. Okay, I'm not putting you in here for that." Oh yeah, I'm not saying don't teach your kids like oh, taking a boxing class, working pads. My kids are bad. going awesome. straight. I mean, to me, I want my son or daughter, for that matter, mm -hmm. in the future to have the same upbringing I had, which was uh, I was in the inner city. I was in the ghettos of Rochester, New York, mm -hmm. and uh, that's where we fought. That's what we did. And my dad told me, you are never going to judge anyone based on their skin color or what they have or don't have in their life, but you're going to see how some people have been fucked in life mm -hmm. with what they were born into and you know, really see where people's lives go because of that. And, I, and everything my father always told me always came true. So are you saying if you continue on your current path to success, mm -hmm. keep making lots of money. Despite your financial success, mm -hmm. you will still move into an inner city community to raise your kids? Not move into an inner city. I wouldn't say that. I would say my kids are going to be aware of it. My kids are going to do sports there, do things, because that's what I did. Like I wish I had the football photo of me with the Baden Street Bulldogs, being the only white kid mm -hmm. in the entire community. And I feel like that set me up for a lot in my life, because in that aspect, I was the minority. And I had to earn my keep and self-respect from a community of people that I was different from. Mm -hmm. And I went to school, at, I went to Catholic school, kindergarten through 12th grade. And 
all white kids. Mm-hmm. Fucking hated it. Hated every day of it. Every person. Why? Little, little kids were like little assholes. Like, like just entitled like suburban little pricks. Okay. Spoiled kids. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Okay. And truthfully, some of the most racist people I ever seen. Really. And these are people who are supposed to be God loving, and we love everyone. This and that, but throwing the n-word around about me with my friends when i come to play basketball but if they could throw a football on the suburban team if they could draft them they love them then mm. and it's just i've seen so many shades of racism in my life and i mean that's where even going back to social media shit like i remember at one point i was getting accused of being racist because of something on the circle someone i went at and i was like bro like that's say you fucking hate me say do not say that about me because mm-hmm. that's something that hits so close to home for me with all of my friends I grew up with. And it just was so interesting to go to school during the day and be surrounded by certain type of people. And then I go to my dad's car dealership. And then at night I was in the gym with all of my friends. And that's who I was with on the weekends and to see where some of their lives have gone. And to tell you the truth, there's only one person shout out to my dude, Lawrence King. Mm -hmm. We love him. He's still fighting today who is really done well for themselves and that's because he had a father mm-hmm. who was there every single day. Mm. All of my other friends have fallen by the wayside, whether it's, you know, prison, death, uh, being caught up, just doing not the right things. Like mm-hmm. no one has really done well for themselves besides Lawrence. Corrections officer, police officer, still fights, does his thing, and you know, the best kid you'd ever meet. Yeah, that's great. Something I've seen people talk about is the idea of uh, having a family in place improves outcomes for children. And that's absolutely true. What has changed is now our research started to look at non-traditional families, mm-hmm. a mom and a mom, a dad and a dad. And what we're seeing is it's really the fact that there's two people, mm-hmm. not so much that there was two different people like a mom and a dad. Mm-hmm. Just the fact that you could split roles and someone could be attentive now versus later and you could split the attention between a child that's where the biggest benefit comes from. Yeah. So I'm hoping that we can further that message out there because right now people are so quick to be judgmental with certain situations. And mm. as you said, whether it's racism, sexism, yeah. against LGBTQ community, some of it's so unwarranted and evil. Like I just don't understand it. I, it just I'm it's from the understanding comes from the fact that they don't understand it, that they're not exposed to it. And Figuring that out is a civilization problem that we're going to have to tackle. It's so sad, though, man, because like there are so many fucking beautiful people in this world who uh, just have the biggest hearts. And, yeah, they're different from you. Who cares, man? Like I, I just don't understand the closed-mindedness. Like I know what you're saying. If they don't understand it, like that makes sense to me. But I don't know. I just I love humans. Like When I walked in today, the first thing I'm doing is I'm hugging you. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I think there's something to being warm and and embracive. And that's why even for me, I don't know if kids are going to be a thing for me. Like I would love to be a father. Mm -hmm. I know I would be the best father in the world because I have had the best example of a mom and a dad who gave us everything. But at this point in my life, I want to be extremely selfish. And I think that it terrifies me to bring a child into the, into this world with the wrong person. Okay. Because I, I, I really want if I have kids for them to have something as close to what I had growing up. Like my mom and dad have been together since they were kids, truly in love, respect each other, best friends, any problems they've ever had in their marriage, which we know every marriage has them. Mm -hmm. I've never seen. 
Um, my dad was my best friend my entire life. My They moved me out to L.A. when I was 18, check in with me 20 times a day with everything I have going on. Like, they dedicated their life to their children. And I think too often you see people having kids when they're not ready, and it's not fair. Like, Interesting. I'm curious to see how your perspective changes over the next five to ten years. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. If it changes, I hope it changes for something that uh like i wanted to do Mm -hmm. versus it just happened sure because i think that to me is is terrifying and i i don't ever want to be the like my dad would tell me when i was a teenager when i was starting having sex and doing things like Mm -hmm. the worst thing that could ever happen to you is being a father every other weekend why every oh because you're divorced yeah well because you don't have your kid Mm-hmm. and you you won't have your kids and like you know i can't imagine like if i had a, a, a son or daughter like i'm there every fucking day and to imagine someone telling me no you get them mm-hmm. three days a week or you know and this schedule no i it's my job to be there every single day it's my job to discipline them and and teach them things and laugh with them and that just it really really scares me yeah understand your fear totally yeah are you ready for the reflex round let's do it okay here we go boom what's the healthiest part of your body my dick <laughs> had to do it first thing that came to <laughs> okay mind. That, no that's this is beautiful reflexes should be automatic what's one part of your body you would replace my stomach let's check your temperature what's something that got you heated recently Fuck, hold on, I got to think about this. Something got me heated recently. What is something that got me heated recently? Oh, my fucking, my my Bose headphones on the flight over. Fucking one of the things stopped working, which I've spent. First world problems. I have spent fucking over. <laughs> what got you heated? Dude. Forget poverty. My was, Bose headphones on my first terrible. <laughs> Here's the problem. You spent $400 no, on Bose headphones. These things should work. I've had to buy them three times because they're the noise canceling ones. Bose. I'm done. I'm done spending money on the Bose headphones. Okay. So what are you moving to? What's the next brand? I don't know. I was Apple on Beats for Maxes? so long. Which, which ones? The Apple Air Max. Dan, what are they called? AirPod Max. Uh, yeah, but the problem with the those the they those are the things that hang from the ear, right? No, no, no. They're the giant ones. Like oh, see, that, no, that's very aggressive. I don't oh, know how I feel about okay, those. Got I gotta weigh it out. All right, so Bose, fix your stuff. All right, I'm gonna give you some names of reality TV shows, and you're gonna tell me whether you would win or lose on them. Okay. Survivor. I'll lose immediately. First day, I'm gone. <laughs> Who wants to be a millionaire? Lose first question. I'm gone. <laughs> I've, I've the first fuck. question is like, what's the animal? In Bro, fighting I have like a third grade education. <laughs> okay. I'm faking it all the way to the top. Okay. American Idol. Oh my God. I would win. Wow. No, okay. I would not. I would lose, but I would like to think I would win. Okay. Top chef. Lose. I can't even fucking cook SpaghettiOs. Uh, oh no. Hot ones. <laughs> oh, I'd win. I'd win hot ones. I've, I could eat hot shit. I'm, I'm about that. Okay. Um, America's got talent. Uh, lose. <laughs> deadliest catch (laughs) you know what i'd win i'd take me out to sea okay let me get those fucking crap (laughs) love that show i'm clipping that (laughs) give me those crabs um dancing with the stars oh i'd win dancing with the stars i would dedicate everything in my life to fucking destroying that show naked and afraid lose immediately because (laughs) you can't have sex right no, naked and afraid. Can you have sex? There's no rules against sex. 
if Naked I'm, and Afraid is you're put into no, like an I extreme know situation. The show, okay. But like, here's the thing. If I'm out in the wilderness with another person and you're just like all naked and but afraid. But you're allowed to have sex. Are, are you though? Yeah. Oh, I'd win. But right. you, the person has to like, consent. Has well, obviously. Oh, yeah. Yes, Dr. Mike. <laughs> I don't know. I just want to make sure If that. you're both naked and afraid, I think you're both looking for companionship. <laughs> okay. Uh, you never know. Um, America's next top model? Lose. Okay. Oh, God. Last awful. question. Have you ever almost died? Yes. How? Um, too much pills. Okay. Um, too much pills. And also there was a point in my life where I was severely suicidal. Wow. Severely suicidal. And I was very close to not being here anymore. Wow. And, uh, no one would have ever saw that coming. Most selfish, terrible thing I could have done to my friends and family. And, uh, uh, you know, they say God, higher power, whatever you want to call it, works in mysterious ways. There was someone uh, who unexpectedly reached out to me that really saved my life at a time when I needed it. That should have never been there for me, should have never helped me. And that really pulled me back to life to say, uh, I need to get help. I need to uh, pick myself up and really tackle some of these issues in my life. And I need to stop trying to act like I have everything figured out and that I'm good because it's okay to not be okay. So, yeah, I was I was very close to not being here anymore at a certain right. point. Well, that's a good takeaway message. Be there for your friends even when they don't expect it. Dr. Mike, I fucking love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I love you too, <laughs> man. Go. Thank you for coming on. I'm glad you are here today spreading your wisdom. And uh, we wish wisdom. you continued success in not just the reality TV space, but in the film space and potentially some other places where you may see Joey soon. Potentially very soon. But yes, yeah. keep taking your wisdom from Netflix reality stars. It'll serve <laughs> you very well. Where do you want people to follow you? Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, the Facebook, all that at Joey Sasso. Watch out for my movie, Young Lion of the West, which should be coming sometime in the next six months. Okay. Young Lion of the West. We will be tuning in. It's a very dark one. You'll like it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Joey Sasso. Joseph Sasso. Reminds me of so many folks I grew up with uh, back in the day in Brooklyn slash Staten Island. I was surprised he's not from Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, Rochester. Is that what your impression? I don't know anything about Rochester. That's like upstate New York. Yeah, I need to learn more about the state that I've grown up in. As someone who's like from the West Coast, I imagine like, yeah, that's a New Yorker. I don't know where Rochester even is. I mean, like, like Mike, here's a million dollars. If you point to the nearest area where Rochester is, I have no idea. I think it's like two hours east of Buffalo, so it's like you're making it up. It's a way far. You don't know where it is. A far off spot. Um, remind me of. Uh, had you met him in person before? No, never. So uh, I watched The Circle right at the beginning of the pandemic. And then I got an offer to work with a company uh, that was promoting some kind of Zoom talk show that he was hosting where he was interviewing different experts. I happened to be the medical one. We got along. We exchanged a few DMs after. Uh, I thought he was a really nice guy. And then... Um, he hit me up and said, yo, your podcast is doing great. I'd love to come on. I was like, that's amazing. Yeah, let's do it. Let's talk about it. I didn't really know him, uh, but I have a friend who was a huge fan of The Circle. And so I reached out to my friend, Brian, mm -hmm. shout out Brian. And I said, hey, I know you watched The Circle. What's your impression of this guy? And he was like, honestly, 
really liked him and he always seemed really sincere and authentic. Yeah. And after just spending two and a half hours with him, absolutely. Like that, yeah. that is Joey Sasso. He's not playing a character. Nope. He's not playing it up. That's who that guy is. He just texted me, bro. Thank you to you and your team for everything today. You guys are so fantastic. Had such a great time with you. So happy. We're finally able to make this happen. He also clearly cool like sincerely was excited about coming on this yeah, show. Yeah, which he, is nice. He got here 30 minutes early. Yeah. He was like awesome. sitting downstairs with a it's coffee exciting or something. to have people that want to come on. He him, said he wore Steve his, the, he picked out a special outfit yeah, for you. And that was awesome. He's a big so, Dr. Mike fan. He's a he's a cool dude, and I'm curious to see how his acting career plays out. Yeah, you know what's interesting? I, I think this is actually great that he had a he was trying to be an actor, and then he's fallen into this like you know path of being reality star. And it's like, no, no, don't fall into it. Like, let that be the direction you go. Yeah, lean. be a reality TV uh, star. Yeah, and I don't producer. really know what it means to be a reality TV star though. Besides being on some reality TV shows, mm -hmm. what do you do from now? Like, he was perfect match. Now what? Well, it also sounds like privately, as we were talking outside of the pod, that he is working on maybe some, some original projects that yeah. he would be in a, a creator producer yeah. role of. So yeah, I think exciting. that's great. Like make that your entire identity brand business is incredible. Yeah, I think he's doing it. I think he's doing everything as he wishes. So I'm happy for him. He has had a lot of success on reality TV. You asked him how you think he would fare on a number of reality mm -hmm. TV shows. I want to ask you the same mm. exact question. I want to see how you think that you would Sam's do. That was Sam's baby, that question. That was. I was. I came up with that at about 10.30 last night, and then I went, ooh, I'm good. Okay. Um, so uh, first, of all, first of all, have you ever been on a reality TV show? Who wants to be a millionaire? And I guess it depends what you mean by reality TV show. Well, I... Um, I I guess that is a good question. What do I mean by yeah, like that? Is Rachel Ray a reality TV show? Mm, no. Um, but Who Wants to Be a Millionaire is like a, a reality TV show or a game, game show. show. So you were on Who Wants to, to Be a Millionaire. millionaire. How did that go? Let I the won because they asked the audience lifeline, which is traditionally the best lifeline, failed me. Sad. Wait, why is it the best lifeline? Uh, because usually it has the best way of giving you the answer. Better than 50-50 and Well, 50-50 only narrows it down. Phone a friend is like hit or miss. You Who don't know would, did you have a phone expert. a friend when you did it? You, you bring a friend. And I brought a Dr. Robert Fishberg, cardiologist from That's my hospital. That's right. That's right. I and he helped me. That. And the reason I brought him up for the previous question before I got this one wrong was because I didn't want to get it wrong. And then he came and flew out to Vegas to the show for no reason. So I'm like, let me bring him out earlier rather than later to make sure I don't get something wrong. And that way he could, he could have some stage time and then the next question, the one that I ended up getting wrong, was his favorite song of all time. Get out of here. American Pie. Miss American Pie. Uh, by, by Don McLean. McLean. Uh, great song. The um, longest length song to ever be a Billboard number one hit. That was my question. Mm -hmm. The song of the 70s. The song of the 70s. Um, let's see how you would fare on these other reality oh, yeah, yeah, or yeah. game shows. Number one, how would you do on America's Next Top Model? What is it? What is the competition there? Just you're like, you're you're competing to, to see if you're a top model. If you could be a model, and I remember one scene from that show that I actually watched. Tyra Banks. Where there was a Russian dude mm -hmm. that had to be on like a treadmill thing, and it was like who can last longer in the treadmill, and he failed. So I think I would I would lose. You would lose. I'd lose. Okay. Um, uh, how would you do on Dancing with the Stars? I think I would win. I think you'd do pretty well. I think I'd do pretty well. Stars. Even though I'm a terrible dancer, bad footwork, I think I could learn. I think your last few years dabbling in the boxing yeah. world has shown- and I'm teachable. Yeah, yeah. And you, I know you would you would practice. Yeah. You really would. You would put in the hours and- Yeah, me and Bear, we would dance. Mm -hmm. Oh, that'd be, yes. We need a dog version of Dancing with the Stars, <laughs> Barking with the Stars. Uh, naked and Afraid. 
fail instantly. Instantly? Instantly. Can't bugs, rashes. The bugs, man. Dehydration. Okay, what if, uh, would you fare sunburn. longer in a warmer climate or a colder climate? Do you want to be in the hot, sweaty, dehydrated place or maybe the colder? Yeah, they're both terrible. And the hot ones have more it bugs. It's Probably cold. Probably cold? Yeah. Okay, yeah, the bug thing would, would ruin it for The me. bug thing is the big thing. The bug, uh, sleeping, the buzzing in your ears. When you think of like bugs and not being interested in them, what is the bug that comes to mind? Is like, ooh, I don't want It's that. not even a bug. It's a scorpion. Scares living. Oh, scorpion. And mosquitoes, like full body mosquitoes, fleas. Dude. Oh, my God. Dude. Oh, the bites. Ants, fire ants. Oh, did you climbing in your butt? Did you see the stat? They said there's like 40 quintillion ants on planet Earth. There's like 8 million per person. Well, are you counting Anthony's too? Yes, I am. Then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many ants per Anthony's are there is a more interesting question. Um, hot ones. Uh, I would want to win. You would give it a go. I would you give would, it a go. You would really I would throw try. up on the show, but I would do it. Yeah, you would try. I would win. I know from having shared many meals with you, you are not very good with the spice. I'm not, but I'm willing to sacrifice for the sake of the views. You know what's interesting? I, I think when that show started, there were more people who like tapped out. And they're like, this is too hot. It, it was sort of like, who can make it to the end? And now, I, as I see it, everyone makes it to yeah, the it end. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's why I feel like I would win. Also, by the way, when I was reading these shows to him and I said hot ones, I was my whole mind thinking too hot to handle. Oh, sure. So when I said hot ones, oh, you've never watched that. I meant because he said he never watched Too Hot to Handle. So I didn't realize I was saying hot ones. Next, Too Hot to Handle. How would you do on Too Hot to Handle? Uh, what The premise of that show is that I you're can't. too hot, but you can't sleep with somebody. I or think something. it's you like a, a bunch love. of hot people, but they're not allowed to engage in any yeah, sort of um, physical. I, I don't know. Activity? I think I'd win. I think I'm okay controlling myself. Yeah. that's. Um, I don't think Dr. Mike's going to wind up being on that. No. How about like a, a general, any other sort of dating sh sh reality show? I can't show. do it. I would lose just because I'd want to be there. It's so fake. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sorry, Joey. I know, but you said he said blind date was like for fun. Oh, actually, that's a good, that's another one. Blind date. How would you do on that show? That's just twenty years no, old at this I, point. That's re reality TV stars. I'm not. I don't belong there. Okay. Okay. Oh wait, you said blind date. Yeah, yeah, blind date. Oh, sorry. That, I, I remember that show from twenty years you're ago? Thinking of uh, Perfect Match, bro. Why can I not hear? It's today? a long day. It's not that long. I don't understand what's going on. No. Um, Blind date? I don't remember. What was that show about? Uh, it was just like a blind date. They took two random people and put them oh, on a blind date. Former I would do that for fun, but I don't think I would win. That's Yeah, that's why Like I thought you might handle that one better because it is just like going on a blind date with yeah, someone. Yeah, I think I would do okay. Yeah, and you know what's interesting about that show? I just realized that show is like a precursor to a lot of YouTube content. As you well remember on that show, they had a lot of little commentary pop up as text on screen. Mm. And I think there was like Dr. Love and it was uh, like a little cartoon. Dr. Love would pop up and he would have a little thing to say that's funny. and it was like adding text on screen for a comedic mm -hmm. effect wow that's what my essay is going to be about in the new yorker blind, uh, uh, blind date <laughs> is the precursor to youtube and tiktok or just all those vh1 shows where all those celebrities kept popping up huge. and giving reactions huge next top chef lose instantly can't cook to save my life um can try but not very well i really don't think you're gonna fare well on top chef no, no. easy loss yeah you're gonna be overwhelmed uh, American Idol, terrible, loose. <laughs> what I'm, I'm. They'll highlight me on the show as the example of like the failures. You know, mm -hmm. they have like mm -hmm. a big story, and mm -hmm. then you turn out to be terrible. That's me. So Ryan Seacrest introduces you. They're going to do a whole big profile. This doctor, he's from Russia, mm -hmm. and he saved someone's life on an airplane. I modeled his suit line before for the Blue Jacket. You modeled show. Ryan Seacrest's suit line. <laughs> yeah, yes, wow, what line. did I learn today? Um, so you're going to go in there, do a big profile. They're going to hype it up. You're going to get in there first. What are you going to sing? 
Lose Yourself. Okay, you're going to do some hip-hop. Yeah. Great, good song. <laughs> and then, song. yeah, and then give me, what is the feedback they're all going to give you? First, what's Paula Abdul going to say? She's going to be so, so nice. The same for you. Stick to medicine. Okay. Uh, Randy Jackson. That's a no for me, dog. That's a no for me, dog. <laughs> and our, our friend, Simon Cowell. Palliative care. That's all he'll say. Oh, he'll say he needs to refer you to... Uh, Palliative care, which is like end-of-life care. Oh, that's... Uh, he'll need it because you've damaged his ears with your singing? It, no, or for me, for because you, he's going to put me down. I understand. Yeah. Okay, got it. Uh, we already talked about who wants to be a millionaire. If you had a chance to do it again, how do you think you would do? I think I would do... I don't know. There's nothing I could have done. I, I think I played it optimally. They told me backstage, you're like, if you have a question about pop culture for people who are in their 40s or 50s, that's who's in the audience. Ask them. I had a pop culture from the 70s and they got it wrong. Mm -hmm. Deadliest catch. Lose. Too cold. Seasick. I don't even really get seasick, but I feel like it gets cold. That would freak me out, man. I Just the fear of falling into the ocean. Yeah. If you fall off the boat, you're Dude, done. if one of those wicked tunas hits me, it's over. Game over. It's done. It's not a sushi. No. Survivor win you think you'd win i think i'd win survivor it's not naked or afraid it's not as extreme i can use my medical skills to get me a little bit ahead there's some people things that i've learned from medicine that i could make use psychologically and i think i could win jeopardy lose terribly i play the jeopardy app on my uh playstation you don't think you do we watched a lot of jeopardy for a little while here yeah, during lunch i mean Compared to the like the champions and the people who are really, like, be like to an average Jennings. person, yes, I might do well. But okay. if it was like, this is Jeopardy for average Joes, I'd do well. Uh, one that you have sort of played before, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Oh, yeah, I would lose instantly. They would make me look terrible, and I would have to hand in my medical license at the end. Yeah, yeah. They would ask me medical fifth grade facts that I wouldn't know the answers to. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That was enlightening to watch because it's such like general knowledge questions on that show and it's surprising to learn like what people don't forget know yeah, well, we because forget. everybody misses stuff on it and it's always like wait you don't know the order that the planets yeah, go in exactly. or something Which and it's I like don't. no people have gaps in all sorts mm -hmm. of knowledge like that um you don't use it you lose it you lose it uh are there any other game shows am i, I crushed it on wheel of fortune oh yeah i don't know i just think like i spin well uh, how about uh, the game show where everything's made up and the points don't matter? Whose line is it anyway? I would kill to be on that show. We'll get you in uh, an improv show. We'll get you in a comedy yeah. sports show someday. And, oh, and, God, uh, it's going to be so awkward. It'll be so fun. bad. We'll put you in an environment where it's like very safe and you'll do some games that we'll practice a little bit with you. And okay. We'll get you to do a show. That'd I think you'll have a good time. Um, I have a question for you that comes from a podcast review. Ooh. If you're listening to this right now, please go uh, to Spotify or Apple Podcasts wherever you listen to your podcast and leave a five-star review for this episode. It is so important to helping this pod reach more people. Please. Um, and when you uh, have the opportunity to write a review, please put a medical question in that review and it may be broached to Mike just like I'm going to um, right now. So this first five-star review comes from, comes from Sawyer Patterson. Uh, the title is Love the Pod. Thank and you. Sawyer's question is, what is the best post-workout stretch for swimming? I would say it's too specific of a question given the nature of a general question needing to be answered. Well, okay, so let's talk. I'll, I'll just talk about it this way. I'll, I'll answer it generally. Mm -hmm. In swimming, one of the, the biggest muscles that you use is the latissimus dorsi, which is the long back muscle that attaches to your humerus and then to your spine. This muscle uh, is a lot of times tight in swimmers and in people who lift. Um, so stretching, um, stretching your obliques, 
stretching your abdominals. All of those are important muscles to focus on. I don't think there's one best stretch. Um, for example, like if you have recurring shoulder issues, maybe you need to be doing some shoulder stretches. So I can't give that kind of <laughs> detailed advice, but I would say focusing on the core muscles, like the uh, oblique muscles, the abdominal muscles, the latissimus dorsi, those are probably the most ones that get utilized and understretched while swimming. The question also implies that it's advantageous to stretch after you swim. What sort of stretching would you recommend? Do you recommend people stretch before they exercise, after they exercise? I think in general, before exercise, especially competitive exercise, it's about dynamic warmups and going through range of motion as opposed to just static stretching, where like you just stand in one spot and you try and hold a deep stretch. That can actually cause some damage, especially if your muscles are cold um, or even uh, potentially wear you down and decrease your performance. So dynamic warmups is the way to go. Okay, that's very good. Thank you, Sawyer. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thank you uh, for joining us on the Checkup Podcast with Joey Sasso. Hope you enjoyed watching. As always, stay happy and healthy.